Today is Friday, July 7th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Oh, we have got one heck of a podcast for you today. Let my Herald go! We talked to our friend and guest, Herald, who's having some marital problems, and we hit the marriage, biblical marriage um, problems and scenarios throughout the podcast. So if you think it's not thorough, keep listening. We revisit this issue several times and make it thorough. So marriage complications, at what point, you know, is biblical abandonment a thing? Is that the same as divorce? What happens if people are emotionally resigned? Um, we go through all these scenarios and we try to give our friend the best advice we can from a God-fearing biblical perspective. Then, yeah, there's some quick stuff. They try to psychoanalyze me. I uh, deflect and change the subject really quick. Ha, ha, ha. Slippery I am. Then we talk about bourbon. And, uh, you know, where, where does appreciating a fine wine or bourbon cross the line? And how much, you know, before you start getting drunk? And where's the cutoff? Which, by the way, if it's bourbon night and everyone's, like, sipping it, like, Oh, I taste hints of ivory. I taste hints of oak. No one's getting drunk. It's super annoying. Um, shout out to my bourbon people. Um, anyways. The Ark Encounter, uh, Chris elaborates on his recent family vacation to the Ark, uh, Ken Ham's thing in northern Kentucky, I believe I got that right. Then, uh, the moment you've been waiting for, Trans Sanctuary States. And our Canadian friend uh, and guest, Michael, is aghast. Uh, he works in the Child Family Services in Canada, where most people just automatically assume Canada has more, um, you know, more restrictive... Um, it's more, I don't know, it's tyrannical, the wrong word. We'll go with that. It's more tyrannical than America. And this guy, uh, Chris, was pointing out how not exactly. Um, there's some things with the court cases in uh, California going on and the legislation that it puts, can it's just like, hey, Canada, hold my beer. <laughs> and it's one up in Canada. So we explain that. We explain the case and how um, California is straight up tyranny. That's why everyone is leaving. Anyways, um, sorry for my California people. Then we revisit, uh, oh, no, 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 we still talk about biblical divorce. But then our guest, Brenda, shows up, um, who's a trans person, and uh, we have a sort of tenuous yet civil enough discussion for a while um, until finally she just loses her um, patience and starts cussing out people. So, um, not that Brenda speaks for everyone, you know, who promotes love and tolerance, but I find oftentimes, if you simply uh, disagree with people who promote love and tolerance, they sometimes become very unloving and intolerant quicker than the people who they say are unloving and intolerant. Um, again, everyone, no one is immune. Everyone has bad apples, bad eggs. So no one's excused from this, but is what it is. So take care, everyone. Check out the Asking Christian store. Grab a t-shirt. Support the cause. Um... People are not going to need Jesus less. They need Jesus more. So keep us doing what we're doing. Thank you for the, for the support. Check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon. Free to read with a Kindle subscription. And what else? You can also donate. Keep us going. Thank you for the support. Share these links. Uh, join us live if you like. Have an awesome weekend, and we'll see you next time. Under, like, fathom in my mind, like, okay, because... Because technically right now, her and I are separated, you know, so it's like, okay. And she's like, oh, you know, well, I haven't given up on our marriage and uh, maintenance. And um, <laughs> so I thought you were squashing a bug for a minute. Oh, 
you know, so she's like, you know, I haven't given up on our marriage, you know, this, you know, that's why I haven't like served papers and da 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 da. I'm like, well, even in my mind, I'm like, well, even if you did serve me papers, I'm not signing no doggone papers because I'm not, I'm not going to be the next person to be able to say, oh yeah, me and my wife got divorced. Um, you know, God forbid, but, um, you know, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that. Like, living the rest of your life separated, but yet still married, you know? I, yeah, I'm, I mean, if you want a very tough love approach, I'm your guy. If you want some warm, fuzzy comfort, um, I don't know. Let's turn to Chris. Um, I'm, I, 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 this could be an emotional or personality flaw on my part. Um, I, I don't have, I I don't have a lot of, um, I don't know without being in your situation and knowing both sides of the story. Right. I, I just generally don't have a really compassionate outlook on that stuff it's more like you know matter of fact right it's like does he beat you did he cheat on you is he providing for you like you know go through the checklist like the main traditional god-fearing man type stuff you know you're supposed to do in your role and then go through the same checklist for the traditional god-fearing you know lady stuff she's supposed to do in her role and be like are both parties doing this then shut up like I, I again, I don't know, but I I know I'm I'm probably not where you go for compassion and comfort on this, but I do have very strong feelings about the subject in general. So I I don't know if that's what you're looking for or if that's doing the opposite of help, but yeah, it's kind of like uh, look with my traditional views, religion aside, and then when you add religion to it, my you know biblical views of marriage, which there are very few, right? It's it's less is more it's very simple it's it's what the bible says and then you know our culture and stuff like that like our traditional culture so yeah it's it's like well he's not giving me emotional support or he's emotionally cheating on me shut up um and it's like look if you won't play ball if he's fulfilling his checklist like the bible checklist not your like don juan demarco with long flowing hair bare-chested riding a riding a steed through the water to whisk you off your feet none of that nonsense if he's doing all the all the correct stuff, protecting, providing, blah blah blah, etc., um, then either deal with it and honor your vows to God and your spouse, or be a sinful demon and divorce him, and you know break the guy's heart, uh, you know sin against your God, and go live your life and leave this guy alone. So like you know I I think a, a more crude way of putting it is poop or get off the pot. So none of this like, well, we're going to try distance for the rest of our lives. We're going to be married, but separated. No, no, I'm not going to cave to your whims. I'm not going to let you technically not violate your your vows. That's like the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. I'm not going to let you, you know, say, oh, well, well, he's, he's doing everything he should, but it's not everything I want him to do. So I want a divorce, but I also don't want to like, you know, uh, uh, divorce because I know I can't divorce for these reasons. So I'm basically going to be divorced in every way except signing a paper. No, I'm not going to be complicit in your undutiful sin. Um, so if that's the way you want to go, you sin like a big girl all by your own. You, you know, break this guy's heart all on your own, cut the cord and let my friend Harold go. Let my Harold go. All right, Harold. Um, I would say call on Steph to get a compassionate response, but that's, I mean, that's what you got from me. I mean, that necessarily wasn't, that wasn't necessarily a bad 
that's actually kind of my mindset as well, you know, uh, partially. But, uh, you know, I, I, like to, I like to take both sides of the coin. What's going on, Chris? Hey, buddy, I'm real sorry to hear that. Oh, you know, brother, you know. You know. Yes, I, I am we'll sorry just, to hear that. I don't think I expressed yeah. that. I think I expressed that maybe previously when we first that, heard about that, it. But that may be the first thing you try to say. Oh, we've talked about this before. I know I said sorry to hear that before. Oh, I didn't know we talked. This is the first time hearing of this, so. Guess um, you don't pay attention to us, Chris. No, I've been working. <laughs> Excuses. Anyway. Yeah, well, oh, yeah, you will open up at, like, 10 o'clock in the morning and then close at 10.30. Whatever. Okay. Yeah, because so, no one's here anymore. Hey, no. Uh, anyway, so, Harold, what I would say is she's trying to play a game with you where she's trying to get you to pull the trigger so that she would be the aggrieved spouse. I think that's yeah. the game that she's playing. I agree. Harold, I made you a mod. Can you invite Brandon up here? I think he's got some godly pastoral counsel for you, but it's not letting me invite him, so could you send him an invite real fast? I think this would be the, the more understanding, sympathetic side. Wait, say, say what you said one more time, Chris. I think she's playing a game with you to make you pull the trigger so that she can be the agreed spouse. Uh, oh, like, you know, try to wait it out long enough and make me want to serve her papers like suicide Correct. like where, yeah. yeah like where you want to die but you're too chicken to do it yourself so you run out and like you know aim a gun at a cop and make them kill you one of those things uh i see i see or like how you break how you like break up how you break up by silence right like you just stop you like ghost them you just like stop talking to them you don't have the guts to be like I want to end this relationship. Have a good life. You don't have the guts. You just like ghost them until the person's like, all right, look, I haven't heard from you. I've sent you messages. I've sent you calls. I guess we're just over. And then they're like, oh, ha ha, good. They ended it. Like one of those things. Hey, Brandon, what's up? Hey, good morning. Good morning. I, I just heard a little bit and uh, I, I was just curious, uh, which I, I would imagine you guys may have, but has this been going on a while here? Yeah, we've been... Uh... Well, as far as the, okay, I, I'll be over there. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as like the marital issues, you know, it's been going on for. Well, if you let her tell the story, it, it's been going on for the last three years. Like, you've been married three years. Yeah, man. Uh, Is it? I, it just a lot of people I know I've talked to right now. It's um. It's a, a economic seems to be a trigger in a lot of situations. Oh no, Brandon, you're very choppy. Are you driving to work? I guess the best way I could sum it up as cleanly as possible is our relationship hasn't been as adequate and healthy for the last three years. So kind of like like maybe three months ago, roughly, she was just kind of at her wit's end, so to speak, and she moved back to Ohio. So she's just kind of, I guess, we're kind of in a phase where it's like, okay, you know what? Let's let's separate for a while, see if we're able to revive this thing after some time. Um, like in August, you know, we're gonna go, we're planning a trip with each other. 
uh, you know, just to try to, with the, with the attempt of re-sparking things, so to speak. Um, yeah. Harold? Well, that, that, well, oh, go ahead, Brandon. No, I was going to say, well, that, that means um, if that's, you know, what she's putting out that she, you know, combination with the she hadn't pushed for anything to be done. And also with, with the viewpoint of like, I still got a trip. So there's a part of her that still wants it. Well, I guess just, just based on other instances I've, I've dealt with like this, she may want, she probably wants you to say like, okay, this is my plan to, to, to get us where I want us to be. Because it seems like for her, seems like she just saying like, a, she seems from what you described, seems like she's wore out. And, you know, a lot of times women, and I can even be this for myself, women, mature emotionally a lot faster than us. Uh, that's usually not our strong suits, those things called emotions. She's probably wanting to see like, okay, what's your plan for this? How, what, what are you going to do to get this? I, I will say not only mentally and spiritually and statistically, you have a much better chance of uh, marriage on your first marriage. And then too, you know, it's divorce is expensive in more than one way. And then it works out a lot. It, it works out a lot better. Uh, especially for the man in uh, those situations, uh, and of course for the woman. That the fact that she hadn't did, it and the fact that y'all still got communication, some plan. There's a good part of her that still wants this to work. So it's not it's, it's not out of it's not necessarily over. Harold, uh, what w- without getting too whatever, like what what was the category of the reason, or was it just a bunch of stuff, or was it like you know? you come home and you're a rageaholic and break all of our glasses and I'm scared or was it, you don't give me the emotional support or you don't bring me roses every day or, you know, you don't have enough money or like, what's the category of, of reason or is it multiple reasons? Well, Brandon, Brandon actually kind of summed it up very, very cleanly. It's, it's kind of the matter of she's pretty worn out in the sense of, um, you know, there were a lot of promises that, that I had made in the beginning that I just basically didn't fulfill. For and example. so like, for example, you know, the, our agreement was like, you know, the understanding was, you know, we would be actually working towards building, building, a, building a healthy lifestyle with one another and, you know, doing different things, exploring, you know, going on trips every now and again, or having stable, finances, um, you know, like just having, establishing a healthy marriage, uh, in, in various areas, but due to me not maintaining a stable financial circumstance, like not, not maintaining jobs and getting fired a lot, um, putting us in situations where, you know, like, 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 for example, we were, um, we were living on a property where I was, I was working and I was also living on site and ended up getting fired and we had to move out within seven days. And she had to basically take on the load of that whole thing of getting stuff packed up and finding an apartment, you know, and, it had depleted our savings of like four thousand. We had like four thousand dollars in the savings account, and basically that whole shindig depleted the savings. And ever since then, we've never been able to get back up. And that and that's been about two years ago. 
Um, okay. Well, I mean, stuff like that. I mean, it's it's it, I don't it's not okay, but I mean, it's I guess it's more understandable because it's stressful. But if that's something that was felt to be considered, or you know, a better way to write that is for better or better, I'll be there. I'll be your fair weather bride. Um, but I mean, you know, if you took the whole thing for better or worse, well, this is worse. So this is exactly one half of what was signed up for. So not Harold's fault. I mean, maybe maybe well, stuff is is your fault to a point, right? But I mean, it's ultimately it's within the range of what was agreed to. Yeah, it's like over kind of, the course of the three years when when situations like that happen at least like <laughs> at least two to four times a year in the span of three years, and you're the one that has to constantly be the one to write the write the situation. You know, it it gets pretty worn out. And and like you say, yeah, it, it is better for worse. And she takes that serious. Like we were talking last night. I was like, you know, well, out of everything you've been through, what would you say that keeps you wanting to not, you know, what keeps you from giving up? And she was like, well, you're my husband, you know, and I made a vow to you and, and before God, you know, if you were a boyfriend, then I would have let your behind go as long, you know, long time ago. But it's different when you actually made a vow towards somebody. I mean, you know how Steph always always tries to squeeze that thing in there where it talks about, like, we talk about re- reasons for divorce, and, like, she always brings up abandonment, and I'm always, confu- uh, always confused where that is, and I think we get derailed before someone can show me. But, I mean, if there was ever a case for, well, if you're my boyfriend, I'll leave, but you're my husband, so I'm just gonna move, like, four states away. Um, if there was ever a case for abandonment, I mean, if you didn't have the, the benefit of modern technology... You'd be like, is she dead? Is she sailing the seas with pirates? I don't know where she is. Um, I'd say, you, you, I mean, you would kind of have a case. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I got to stop. Or we're going to change topic. I'm just going to say more and more bad things. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you, you, I can, well I, I can tell you this, Harold, and, and, and this is just me being a non-biased listener. Dealt with situations, and of course, as a young man, you know, I've never done anything immoral of always been faithful to my wife but you know when you're young you just do stupid stuff because you're a man it's in your it's it's in your nature i'm sorry i just I, I just don't know any other way to say it but this is a test she wants to see will you fix this and will you take the effort to come get her uh because in her mind this is a test to say if you don't if you can't come get me then you're not going to be able to keep me uh, and what this because when you started talking, I like I kind of I guess my discernment was on. She wants you to be the man that she sees sees it to be in, and this has kind of got her in a conflict because she doesn't believe in divorce. She doesn't think it's right, and she wants to do right, but it just some stuff she's not going to go through. And, and I have to say, especially with the relationship dynamics within the black community, the women for so long uh, in a lot of our segments had to carry the weight and. That freaks them out, man. That that really freaks them out to like become a big mama, and especially when they got maybe aunties that are single and stuff like that. That sounds just like Gerald, you know. Uh, we we got a lot of dynamics that that are working, and so it, it scares her. So this this is gonna be a thing that um, this is a test where she's saying like she's not gonna live like this, but she really wants this to work because if she wanted to be over, she would have did it by now. Yeah, yeah, I think you, I think you might be right on that one, Brandon. If not, hey, we've all done stuff. Pretty close. 
Yeah, and Harold, why do you keep getting fired like twice or four times a year? Like, what's going on with that? Wait, say that one more time. You need to you need to give the man a job, Chris. Yeah, maybe. I'm just, I'm just wondering, like, why you keep losing jobs? Like, what's the what's the cause behind that? Oh, well, I don't I don't suffer from that anymore. Um, but you know, a year ago, man, I was I was a humdinger, dude. I was, <laughs> whoo, dude. Like when it came to uh, listening to authority and like doing what I'm supposed to do, taking the job serious, like that was not me a year ago at all, by any stretch. I was I was a insubordinate individual to the nth degree. It's good you can take ownership of that and you yeah. recognize that. Yeah, because I was like like my supervisor uh at this job, I was telling him, you know, I was telling him about my my previous work history on, you know, and some of the reasons why I got fired from some of the jobs. And he was like, what? You I was like, dude, yeah. He's like, I would have never been able to see that. I was like, well, you know, I mean, that's a good thing, but hey, that's just the fact of the matter. Yeah, maybe do the George well, Costanza thing. Whatever your instinct is, do the opposite. And this, and this, well, I'll be honest, it's hard. Yeah, it is pretty hard, man. You know, and, uh, you know, I mean, it's, hey, I, like, I, I, what I do is I just try to take it one day at a time, you know, and, uh, and I let, I pray that God would, you know, make a way, make a way out of no way. So have you, uh, have you had any matter of fact conversations yet? Or is it just like hanging them by thread, not break eggshells? Just like, oh yeah, you need more time. I understand. I'm here for you. Or have there been any, any uh, tough conversations to kind of spur the issue along? Like, hey, this ain't going to last forever. Like, decisions need to be made. And right now, you're the one who needs to make it. Or has that not happened? Um, it started to... It, it, it was... We had a pretty matter-of-fact conversation last night. But not to the point of, like, how you're saying, necessarily. Because it, it, it's kind of like... Right now, the wound is a the womb is a little too fresh. Wait, you said it's been months, right? Like how how long is there a fresh wound? Like it was like it's been quite a bit of time, right? <laughs> this would be that uh, this would be that non that uncompassionate side right there. No, but yes, but I'm a monster. I'm a helpful. Yeah, no. I'm trying to be a helpful monster. <laughs> nah, it's 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 kind of it's kind of. It's a bit too early. It, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be good for us right now. I'm gonna be honest with you. It just wouldn't be good. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking that Bible verse that says, you know, if you're gonna abstain or whatever for a while from things, like make sure it's not too long, and before you know, you you guys come back together. And that's talking about a whole different context. This is just being back in the same state. But um, <laughs> I mean, like I don't know. That Bible verse just keeps popping up. Don't want to be using that badly, but I mean, ah, I'm here for you, Harold, trying to help. Michael, what's up, man? Yeah, not not too much. It's really important to remember that um, when you're looking at something like um, recovery, or in this case, you may even call it like a grieving process, um, we can't uh, 
we we can't we shouldn't uh, impose our thoughts or feelings onto somebody else because it's 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 incredibly subjective right um you know it's like oh you know it's it's been x period of time that should be enough time um well congratulations that might be enough time for you but it's not necessarily enough time for anybody else and, and while i oh sorry go ahead yeah and and so you know that's where you know we you know just try to employ empathy and compassion and i find that that gets a gets gets you further than um than anything else and uh if my wife ever listens to that, I, I swear I'll, I'll deny all of you three times. But um, no, so um, I totally get that, right? Because we can't control other people's feelings necessarily. Like, so if it's enough time for you, or you think it should be enough time for 99% of the people on earth, but they're the special gym who it's not enough time for. Um, I understand that from their perspective. I understand what you said, Michael, and I agree. However, Harold has a timeline too. So, oh, we've, I've ran him off. <laughs> Harold has a timeline too. So if Harold's like, okay, I've waited a year. And if the other person's like, I just need more time. I'm not ready yet. Be like, I understand you're not ready. That's completely acceptable. However, I am past ready. My timeline is done. I now cannot wait any longer. So if you're not ready, you initiated this, you did this, you need to make a decision. If not, your lack of decision is your decision because now Harold's timeline has run out. Um, you know, for the, for the other thing. Right. Cause if like my, my situation, my wife's like, I need more time. It's been seven years. I'm like, look, I understand the wound is fresh. You're not healed after seven years, but, um, you know, I'm done. I'm over it. So, uh, I, I mean, you know, in the, in the context of like legality and marriage and stuff like that, I, I may be like, well, I'm not willing to, you know, legally or religiously do anything. However, for practical purposes, I'm no longer contending with you. Um, so whenever you're like, okay, it's been like 12 years, the wound is healed. I'm like, I'm not here for you. I'm like emotionally resigned and moved on. So I'm a monk now. Well, yeah. And of course you have to, you know, I mean, you, you have to take care of yourself first. Um, because if, if you don't take care, I mean, if, if you don't take care of yourself, then you're not going to be much good to anybody else. And that can be in oh. any context. You know, that, that, that can be personally work related, you know, other relationships, everything else. And so, yeah, you, you have to make sure that, that you're okay. And I also came in, you know, not, not hearing the context. I'm not aware of what the, of, you know, of what the context is for this story, but, um, but yeah, you, you absolutely have to, you know, uh, you know, what's that, that, you know, saying, you know, to, to thine own self be true. Right. And, and you have to, you have to do what's, what's right for you. And so timelines will not necessarily correspond, right? Especially if you're talking about something, you know, like a, like a relationship. Um, so yeah, that's, that's totally fair. And Harold is still here. He just, yeah, I guess moved to take away his mod badge. He didn't have to do that, but yeah, glad you're still here. Are we, are we helping Harold or are, are we, and by we, I mean me just making things worse. <laughs> no, I think you guys, all, all of you guys definitely gave some uh, sound advice. Uh, you know, there's counsel in the multi what does it say? Uh, there's safety in a multitude of councils. So, um, yeah, you all definitely gave some, some good advice. Uh, I would love to get a lady's perspective if any of them would like to join. Or, Chris, if you want to wear that hat for a moment. <laughs> That's harsh, well, man. It's, it's 2023. <laughs> I need you to drive the car. Um, <laughs> Harold, if you, if, if you don't mind, would you... Because uh, I, I missed it. If if Nate is okay with with hearing it, can you can you give me the 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 context of uh, of the story? Because I'd I'd like to give you a more informed opinion. 
Um, what I'll do is I, I went ahead and followed you. Follow me. Uh, we could probably talk. We could probably talk more in depth about it. Probably like privately. Yeah, I don't sure. want to turn Absolutely. it too much into a marriage council room and all that. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm I'm actually already following you. Yeah, that's cool. And if he comes out of this an atheist, the Crusades are coming for you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't hey, have I that kind of power. Uh, I don't have that kind of power. <laughs> Sounds like someone's something someone would say who has that kind of power. <laughs> I guess because I don't believe Jesus Christ is God, I'm already halfway there, right? <laughs> I'm not judging your eternal soul. I'll let God work on you. And do <laughs> so, so Harold, that, that, that does bring up a good question. Do you guys have a church home? Wait, I have another question. That, that don't believe Jesus is God. Like last time, I I thought from you you were questioning the Trinity. So now you're you're like Bob. Yeah, we'll say that for later. Go to go, uni, to go to the Unibobber. The Unibobber grabbed him uh, with uh, his dynamite pack on his chest and pulled the ripcord. Ah, uh, that's why he's anyway, the Unibobber. Yeah, there you go, Chris. Talk out your again. Go ahead on. <laughs> oh, you know, Bobber. I was just making a joke. <laughs> well, yeah, to Chris's question, do you, well, I mean, I guess you don't have a church you, you both go to because you're states away, but did you? Uh, no, I mean, I mean, honestly, we, we, we started, we found a church that we wanted to try going to. Um, but then that kind of faded out just because I, I guess the church just wasn't really, uh, uh, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in, in short, yeah, we, we, we definitely had a, a church that we were going to at one point. I mean, was it a community and like you knew a bunch of people and, you know, there's five or six people in your life from that church that can be friends and, or was it you attended services yeah, no, we were, yeah, we were actually attending, uh, uh, actual service. Um, but we, I guess not to not go too far into it, but we basically faded out in attending, uh, for various reasons. Um, not necessarily the anything against the church specifically uh but it was more so just an inward thing that we were dealing with personally like um like yeah yeah i can't really go too far into it I mean, the whole thing with the church is that you're part of a community, and, you know, that's why, that's why we tell people, like, you know, if there's people that can speak into your life, if you had a pastor that could speak into the situation, then that would be, that would be a powerful ally, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. And to be fair, there are flourishing families living in cardboard boxes um, that are rich in love. Just saying. It's more unhelpful advice from Nate. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love Nate, man. Gotta love Nate. Like, they have parasites. They have tapeworms three feet long. 
but no one's complaining about how poor they are. They have each other. I mean, that was my wife and I five years ago. Oh. See? Man. <clears throat> I mean, it's not wrong, right? Insensitive, yes. Nate's a terrible, emotionless robot, yes, yes. But it's not wrong. Yeah, it's... It's not so much as the things. It's it's just a matter of if that's what you both are desiring in life, then yeah, you can both be happily married in a cardboard box, completely content with three foot ter- tapeworms. No, but if, I but desire if, to live in an awesome, like you know, ancient castle overlooking a mountain in Transylvania with black skies and rain, um, and you know, be be a billionaire. That's what I desire. That's a. Um, that's pretty instructive about your personality right there. I think I need to remember I, that. I'm writing. I know, right? Yet I live in, like, the, the sunniest place in the world. Anyways, but I, I like, like, dark, gloomy stuff. Like, it's where I feel alive, right? When people are like, it's so depressive. The sun does that to me. So I'm, I'm, the point is, I am not in my ideal state. I have desires. However, I'm at I, peace I with where I am. Shirley Manson, right, Nate? No, I'm married to someone that loves the sunshine and loves the warm weather and the, the ocean spray in their face. And see, I'm not like, we're in different places. And I moved to like somewhere like Transylvania. Um, I'm like, I'm at peace with that. And, you know, the Bible, by the way, would say something like, how can you maybe perhaps not have all the desires you'd like to have, but be content anyway? The Holy Spirit will give you comfort and make you at peace with things. So when things are not going right in the world around you, you're still at peace. You're you're chill about it. You're accepting of it. Uh, it doesn't mean I don't aspire to have my dark, gloomy thing. Um, and, and, you know, like the, the type of life I want, which I mean, you know, who wouldn't want more of something or better something or less of something? Um so, I mean, no one's perfect. No one has the ideal life, but I mean, I'm at peace. So, yeah, I'm not going to like tell my wife like, oh, you, you made, you know, this much percent less money this month or, or this year or therefore I have to. Whew! Anyways. So, Nate, can Michael and I just analyze you for a few minutes? Michael, would that be fun? In a, in a strictly non-professional. In a strictly non-professional way, Nate, I have a couch ready for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take my time in the chair. I'll give I'll give her a little break. All right, guys, do your worst. <laughs> so, Nate, why is it that you love rainstorms so much? What, where do you think that comes from? Were there rainstorms in your childhood that were significant? Uh, I don't think so, but I did always like them. Like because I think it's because it was unique or something. Like you know, it's bright, sunny, hot, miserable, like constantly. So whenever there was like a huge thunderstorm rolling in and it was like dark and cloudy, you got that cool breeze. I'm like, oh, this is nice. And is it because of that or is it because it's, it's rare that I, I appreciated it? So probably something like that. But I, I've just always I've always liked it, like, you know, because I associate hot sun appropriately with like, you know, sunburns. You got to wear sunblock. You get hot. You get sweaty versus whenever it's like cool and cloudy. You don't have to wear sunglasses outside. You don't have to do sunblock. You don't get sunburned. You get like the, the, you know, I don't like rain, by the way. Like, I don't like to get wet, like a downpour. I like it where it's like nice and kind of like misty, cool, that type thing. So you can go out and like, it feels like breathe fresh air. So I'm, I'm going to say my association is not with terrible things. Like, that's what I associate dark, cloudy rain with. And I feel good about that. So, um, Michael, tell me how I'm doing, by the way. Um, so, <laughs> you have a doll. <laughs> let, let me point somewhere in a doll. <laughs> 
so, so, uh, oh, what is this? Oh, crap. Something needs to get delivered in my house. Uh, are we distracting you? Sorry, no, I, I just pulled up to the house to feed my son breakfast because I was driving around doing work and, um, there's a, there's a FedEx thing like, we missed you, we need a signature, and I don't know what it's about, so. I have an order for several thousand dollars worth of equipment that's coming to yeah, let's just talk about your problems instead of mine. Yeah, sure. Unburden yourself. Unburden yourself. Yeah, my, child. No, we got our electrical for our kitchen finished, and then I woke up this morning and it wasn't working. So, that was awesome. How'd I do, Michael, at evading, evading that and getting out of an uncomfortable situation about my childhood? Did I do pretty good at evading that? Deflection is a, is a skill. <laughs> hey, yeah. hey, Chris, by the way... We got, we, me and the wife, we won uh, two free nights at any uh, Hilton hotel from in Vegas. So, we if we end up taking a trip down to Vegas, hey, it's down this way, Vic. If we end up taking a trip down to Florida in August, man, you know, I, I want to take you up on that offer for some steak that Bob, that Bob has never took, took you up. Yeah, man, we'll do some steaks. That'll be nice. Yeah, I would love to entertain you and Great. Well, yeah, if you get to Florida, I'll, I'll hang out. My wife will come along, too. People will be like, whoa, Chris really does have a wife. Yeah, if you guys come to Florida, I'd love to, to meet you guys and hang out, except, uh, you know, with the understanding, we don't talk to your wife about anything I've said here today. <laughs> or the understanding that Nate has to eat a steak. So, you know, that's got to be part of it as well. Can it be human? I mean, if you want to carve some person up, I think that probably Michael is going to have to being a mandatory just, reporter, probably have to report that. I just figured I'd get one out of your fridge. I mean, guys, does anyone have a question about Jesus? <laughs> we may not, we may not sound like the uh, the best the best people to talk about the subject right now, but um, uh, bro, so oh, we yeah, do believe yeah, the Bible. So, uh, yeah, you uh, how about that song Forty, Nate? The song Forty. Yeah, remember I was asking you about that the other day. Uh, did I say I didn't know about it? Yeah, I was I was asking if you were able to break down Psalms 40, and I, and I think... Oh, Psalms 40. I think you said Psalm 40. Yeah, Psalms 40. Yeah, Chris, you want to you, you break down Psalms 40? Oh, yeah. The, well, the other thing I was going to tell you, Nate, is that uh, we can get Psalm 40 in a second, but, like, uh, so Professor Mack finally got fed up and he wants to do a formal debate with uh, me. And I was like, you know what? Let's bring everybody. So why don't you bring all the oneness folk. And I will bring me and a couple of the teenagers. And uh, we will go at it. And uh, we decided to do a written debate first. And then um, do the clubhouse debate after one round of rebuttals on the written debate. And so he's like, oh, yeah, that's unique. And. Everybody's very excited about it, so we're trying to get that together, but now I'm having a hard time finding Professor Mack um, to, to finalize the subject. Because he, he, he wanted to do something really broad, and I was like, well, that's dumb. We're never going to do that. So um, we're going to do, like, a very, very specific topic. What is the, like, have you guys decided on what the, what the resolution is? So the resolution I proposed was what happens to Christ in the hypostatic union in eternity, because oneness doesn't have an answer for that. 
Um, they seem to think that was a really good idea. I have no idea why, um, because I win by default just with the resolution, but okay, cool. Um, so that was one, and another one was uh, having to do with uh, the problem with Potterpassianism, which is uh, the, the problem of a father suffering on the cross. Um, it's an ancient heresy uh, that they have to avoid. Yeah, an ancient and, uh, heresy. Ancient heresy, uh, Potterpassianism. <laughs> Um, and is this the kind of thing where you guys are going to send me? Because, like, if if you still wanted me to moderate, you're going to send me all the yeah, stuff you doing ahead of time? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I would love for you to read it all and know what's going on and also be able to get people to. I think the main problem that you're going to have is not going to be with us. It's going to be with them sticking to the topic because they're going to want to run away. Um, and so I think that, uh, you know, we should all be have our feet held to the fire to stick to the resolution and not go off, you know, on other, other tangents. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty decent at keeping people on point, so. I mean, you've been keeping Nate out of the bunny farm for a while. I mean... Hmm. <laughs> I don't know, we... Darkest cries. <laughs> You know, you know what one of the, uh, the hard things is, is that the more, the more time Nate and I spend talking to one another, the more similarities we're finding with each other. And it's getting almost to the scary part. It is unsettling. Like Christians and atheists are each going to come for like both of us because we're, we're too similar. I mean, it really is the dividing line. Jesus. <laughs> but in, in most personality, or well, I mean, I don't know. Do you like dark stormy rain clouds too, Michael? Uh, Maybe well, that's an area but, of disagreement. Well, no. So that I mean, uh, so not we're not we're not in lockstep with that. But I do prefer cooler weather to warmer weather. I mean, you do live in Canada, so I would hope so. But well, uh, come, now the 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 southernmost point of Canada, which is a place called Point Pelee in uh, southern Ontario, is the same latitude as Northern California. It's uh, what's the temperature hmm. side here right now? Uh, it is. It's 90 degrees outside my house right now. Oh, wow. Oh, so uh, it is not that I missed a package. It is that uh, there is fiber coming to my neighborhood. So I will be able to get fiber optic internet soon. Oh, great. So you won't be cutting out like you are now? <laughs> Just kidding. You're mostly fine. Dag. Um, no, Chris, did, <laughs> if you get an opportunity, you should go back and listen to the uh, um, uh, the Ask a Christian podcast that uh, I was on with Nate. Was it, it was last week, wasn't it, Nate? Uh, yes. Yeah. Go back and listen to that, and you can you can hear it. Like, it's, it is, uh, look, I think I told you, Nate, that I, I had uh, Shannon, my wife, listen to some of it, and she's kind of sat there shaking her head like, you guys are too much alike. <laughs> mm, yeah, I mean, you guys are D&D bros, so that was my first area of suspicion. Where do you stand on that, Chris? I know you're cool with like you know getting drunk and drinking beer and stuff, but um, or wait, how do you do it? Getting drunk and drinking wait. beer? I think those two things are completely different. Yeah, I was, I was gonna I was gonna try to make a joke. So, um, so, so since you would not be okay with getting drunk, how do you do that? Because as much as you you reform people like your IPAs and stuff, is it like you know you have you have two and then you're like. 
all right, now we got to get serious. Where is that line of getting drunk? Because we're about to push it. So how do you how do you determine at what point you you would not be able to have any more before you would be drunk? I mean, I could have four beers in an hour and probably be totally fine without even being buzzed. Is that man's wisdom? I mean, I would never do that because that's just that's chugging a lot of beer. Like I'm not in college, like you know, chugging Miller Lights or something. Um, <laughs> You know, or Bud Lights, as as the case may be. Um, but chugging uh, Mulvaney's. Ch- yeah. No, I mean, when I drink a beer, it's generally I drink like one beer. Like I don't, I can't even remember a time like where we've been to a restaurant or like I've been out somewhere where I was like, you know, what I need is like three beers. Like it just, I just never, it just never gets to that. I'm like, because I drink water at the same time so like i don't know it's very you know i i just it's just not a desire that i have to like just chug a bunch of beers i mean i just have one or i I think maybe i'll have two sometimes but like that's very rare i mean i'm not that i'm not that i'm like awesome because of that or anything it's just I i don't have like a huge desire to like for instance i'm not part of it is that i'm not one of these super tasters right have you guys heard of this no Oh my gosh, this, this made me feel so much better because all my life people are like, you know, cause I was learning about wine when I was much younger and you know, all this stuff. Cause I worked at a, I worked at a place that had 300 bottles of wine, you know, whatever, um, as a waiter, uh, when I was in college. And so they're like, Oh, do you taste the notes of Oak and, you know, cherry and did it and you know, all this stuff. And I'm just like, bro, I taste wine. Like, you know, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I can't pick out any of that stuff. And what I finally realized, I read this this article in a science journal that talked about there's a genetic marker for people who can taste far better than other humans. And so, like, I have friends that they're really into bourbon, and they're like, oh, yeah, this bourbon, I can taste the sherry and the vanilla hints and like, oh, all this other so crap. Oh, it's so annoying, yes. Oh, yeah. Like I was in a like, bourbon group. I'm, I, or maybe I'm in a bourbon group. I haven't gone in a while because it, it's... <laughs> But yeah, like my, my neighbor down the road is like a retired highway patrolman from Maryland. And he apparently was in this giant bourbon buddy club there. So he brought it here to my neighborhood and got a bunch of like old guys to sign up for it. And yeah, so like I, I went for the first couple times because, you know, it was cool. It was neat. I'm like, oh, it's like wine tasting before bourbon. OK, because, you know, I'm, I'm still living in my college days. And it's just like, sure, if someone hands me anything like that. The first thing I'm doing is drowning it in soda. Um <laughs> and anyway, like, no, no, you have to refine your taste. Well, I'm, we're talking about cheap stuff that needs Coke. Anyways, so they're like, you need to refine your taste. I'm thinking like whenever I met Dempsey, I'm like, hey, what do you think about these? Because I know he's into that, too. So, um, yeah, we went over there and they had it was like legit. They had full on printouts and like flight boards with little golf tees with numbers. And, like you tried to, like, you know, guess and match the smells and the the textures and all the stuff and it's like here's what you're supposed to taste and the first couple was kind of normal it's like maybe hints of apple wood and like you know a little little smells of cherry and then it got weird then it's like uh notes of leather i'm like what am i supposed to like lick my belt to know what leather tastes like like how do you know what leather inherently tastes like so and then it's like oh you'll know some like rubber tech or maybe not rubber i don't know it just got weirder and weirder and like hazelnut and cinnamon and like all these spices i'm like are you kidding me? 
And then, like, people would, like, all these people who, like, 10 minutes ago were like, yeah, let's drink. Now you see them, like, with their nose in the goblet, and they're just, like, swishing it around. And they're like, oh, I believe I have a hint of hazelnut. I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah, that's, that's when your life choices should be in question. Um, and that's why yeah. I just come here and talk to you guys. Yeah, so, like, so I one of my clients that is actually at my church. So like I brought him, we went to Kentucky for the Ark Encounter, which was awesome. Um, and uh, so I brought him a bottle of bourbon from Kentucky that you can't get anywhere else. And so um, he's like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll have a glass of this together. And I'm like, great. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to taste all this stuff that's supposed <laughs> to be in here because I, I am not a super taster. And there are some people who are, scientifically can taste thing taste a lot more and pick out a lot more stuff than the average human and i'm just an average human so like i don't have this ability and so like i know when something tastes good i know when something i don't like and you know when i taste bourbon like if you lined up all of those very expensive bourbons all of them would taste like bourbon to me <laughs> not gonna taste like leather and you know, whatever elderberries and, you know, all this other stuff. I'm just going to be like, yeah, I got, I got, I got bourbon. That's what I got. Yeah. It's interesting. My wife is the same way with, with her sense of smell. She has this like hyper acute sense of smell. And, um, yeah, it, it is, it is funny with gene regulation. I was reading some uh, different, a few different things about, about, uh, um, some of the gene transfers and stuff like that, that have happened over eons of time. And, um, a couple of the ones that I always found interesting was there, there's one that's, um, the, uh, the PAX, PAX five gene. Um, and people who have the PAX five gene mutation don't grow wisdom teeth. And huh. like, just a, like super weird thing. Yeah. Really? If they have a, yep. They do not grow wisdom teeth. Um, and uh, there's another one, the L LRP, I think it's LRP5. Um, and there's one, there's one uh, family in the in the United States. I think I think they're in in Arizona, um, and they have hyper hyper dense bones, so much so that um, they like their their bones are virtually unbreakable. They are like Bruce Willis's character from Unbreakable. Huh. Um, crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah, the gene mutation is interesting stuff. Chris, I'm really curious um, what you thought of the Ark Encounter and how you reconciled that with the reality that it never happened. Mm. Yeah, so um, it was awesome. Like, and my 13-year-old, he has been to every theme park known to man, and he was like, this is literally the best thing I've ever been to. So it is high quality, high quality. Um, and the whole thing about the arc is like, you're not looking for specific facts from, you know, 22 verses of scripture. What you're looking for is like, is this plausible? And everything I saw says, yep, more than plausible, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. It's funny. I was watching a, um, uh, I was watching a thing on YouTube a while ago talking about actually the reverse of that, the implausibility of the arc, um, talking about the different sizes of boats and stuff like that and how, um, how big it would have had to have been and the different life that would have had to survive on it and stuff like that. And it just, yeah, 
it's uh, I do find it interesting sometimes how some people are able to reconcile things and other people just are not. What is that loud background noise? I'm going grocery, I'm going grocery shopping. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it was just like the plausibility of everything was just excellent. And they, I mean, more than enough room for 8,000 animals. Like, more than enough room, no sweat. Um, you know, they could have probably packed twice that many in there. I mean, it's just, it was amazing. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was Plus beautifully one, done. What? Gigi? I didn't Gigi. say anything. Oh, okay. Oh, I got a call. Oh, I don't I know if that messed something up. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just heard some weird. I, I thought it was Jesus. Oh, yeah, talking. that was me. Oh, so um, I wasn't looking at my screen. So uh, sorry, Gigi. But uh, yeah, no, it was it was it was awesome. And like the Creation Museum, the art alone in the Creation Museum. And I know I owe Steph an email because I was going to send her all the pictures. Um, I don't know if Steph's down there, but I do owe Steph an email. I've just been swamped with work, but. Um, the, the art is, I mean, when I say, I mean, I, I lived in New York. So like when I say Brooklyn museum quality, like New York museum quality artwork, I'm not exaggerating. It was extremely well done. When you say it's plausible, you're talking about what, it, what were the they claiming of the museum? The two of every species of animal was on the ark? So yeah, two of every unclean species and eight of every clean species. Yeah. So they 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 uh, they calculated it all out with you know um, what it would be, and it came out to about eight thousand animals. And only seven people on the ark. Eight people. Eight people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they and they showed like how they could create automated feeding systems, automated, um, you know. Uh, uh, waste disposal systems, um, just using that type of technology that would have been available to them, um, just by cleverly applying um, cloth and and uh, ramps and all kinds of stuff. It, it's just it was very good. What about how big like, was the? Like, uh, how many gallons was the freshwater aquarium on the ark? Given that the whole earth would have been right. So. Oh, you're breaking up, Gigi. So, yeah, they talked about freshwater um, animal life, uh, as well as brackish and all kinds of things, and that there would have been um, freshwater sources underneath the salt water. Uh, and they don't necessarily mix. There's like, a whole bunch of science behind that. Um, it, it was neat. So, yeah, they, they, they didn't need a freshwater aquarium. There were no aquatic animals on the ark. Um, and the scripture even says that there's only... Um, land-based oxygen-breathing animals on the earth. So it was, it was, it was neat. It was really neat. It was plausible. And they have atheist tours. So like, if you guys want to have a good time, there's actually atheist tours through the Ark Encounter. Um, and, uh, and apparently, apparently they're a big draw. Is it Ken, Ken Ham's one, that one? I know there's a couple different ones. I mean, this is the only one that's they actually built a full-size arc based on the biblical dimensions. So, yeah, it is Ken Ham's one, Answers in Genesis. Does, does it trouble you at all that, okay, so then, so two, you know, two 
animals get off the, uh, you know, like, let's, well, let's just go for it right away. How'd the kangaroos get back to Australia? So we're not real sure what the the land looked like. And that was one of the questions I had is like, how do you have marsupials only in Australia? Um, they you know, shot so on geysers and parachuted down. Right, exactly. So so there were land bridges um, all over the place um, that uh, would account for that um, most likely. And, and also you're talking about the idea behind you know, Pangea and, and uh, the continents breaking up during the flood, et cetera. So they actually, they had, I mean, Ken Ham is from Australia. So clearly he put a lot of thought into Australian animals. So there's tons of stuff there about that. I mean, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what the argument was. I just don't remember because it was, it was, an, it was like a fire hose of information. It was like a ridiculous amount of information. No, no, I get it. It's just, you know, when you think about stuff like, you know, like, kangaroos are these, you know, um, animals that, uh, you know, are only in places like Madagascar or, uh, you know, the penguins in the South Pole and things like this. And one of the things incredibly conspicuous by its absence is any type of uh, trace evidence that they would have made that type of journey, right? Um, and, you know, because two animals, right? I mean, even if you like just for just from a population perspective, Two animals is not enough to, to, to repopulate a species. That's true right? in the current, it, that's true in current. It, in the same way in, that only a, yeah, in the same way well, that but, only a humans would only have a gene pool about as deep as a spoon. Right. right? But again, again, we're making assumptions by saying that, that the genomes of animals were exactly the same as they were, as they are today. The, the assumption that, creationists make is that the closer to creation, the less genetic errors in the genome. And so two animals propagating an entire species or propagating multiple species, in fact, um, would not, would be totally plausible. If you That's take weird out... because you guys, like you, you say, you don't believe in macro evolution, but you actually believe in like the super rapid evolution. It's like way more, way well, quicker sure. and more drastic than what evolution actually is. Right. So, yeah. But I mean, again, you know, the, all the facts of what we have in science fit both narratives just fine. That is the plausibility of the arc. And, you know, that when you look at the core assumptions, this is why. Um, you know, these things are plausible because, you know, like I had some atheist PhD come at me about, you know, what about the uranium problem? And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And the guy's like, well, you know, if there's X amount of lead, then that would have meant that, you know, it would have taken 4.7 billion years because that's the half-life for uranium for that lead to exist. And I'm like, yeah, Nimrod, or there's another assumption that there was lead and uranium placed in the Earth's crust at the exact same time. You know, Duh. my only contribution <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> to this is I recently heard, I'm going to mess this stuff up. Maybe someone knows what I'm talking about. Um, it was based on different ages of the Earth, and it was going from a young Earth and an old Earth perspective. But it was saying, basically, if you go back, like, he, this guy was doing it in, like, sets of, like, um, I think, like, 4,000 years, and then, like, 
a million years and then like a billion years. But anyways, he was going like different, different um, scenarios. And in every case, even, even the, the old or young planet age case, uh, he was saying something about some element or something in the atmosphere or the gravitational pool or something like that was so much more like incredibly high, more high or higher as you go back in time from what we currently have today. And I don't know if it was talking about the magnetism of the earth or something like that, but it was saying like, whenever you consider that and how much stronger, like, let's just say magnetic magnetism of the earth was, I think that may be it. Um, it would have basically thrown into question all of these like half lives and things like that. Um, because he was saying a lot of them didn't take into account this variable, which would increase like times and times over the Earth's magnetism, which in turn would have done something different to like half-lives or the the genetics of people or animals or something like that. But basically, it would me it would throw a big wrench in the current way we date things. That's all I got. <laughs> Anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So what's interesting is when you have people like like for example, because one of the things that basically like the attention right would be and so something Godless just made reference to is you know from an evolutionary perspective, macro versus micro. Um, it, and one of the big problems that I have with it personally is you have like um, you know Michael Behe, right? When when he was put on the stand in in the Kitzmiller versus Dover trial, like you know under basically under pain of perjury and, and threat of you know, imprisonment, he admitted under oath that, that the idea of creation science was faith-based, not science-based. And so you, you have the, you know, these, you have the, these proponents of, uh, of, of creation who, when push comes to shove, will say, it's, it's really just what we believe. And Chris, you alluded to this a little bit and it's, and it's, and you're, you're right to say, and I, I wouldn't do that. Like, I'm not going to push you like uh, on the super heavy science stuff one, because I'm not a scientist either. And it, it wouldn't be fair for you to, you know, for anybody to expect for you to be able to explain the scientific intricacies when neither one of us are scientists. But when you do have an expert on the stand saying, yeah, you know what, actually, uh, this is just a faith-based position. I don't think so. I don't think that, that Michael Behe said that. That sounds like some atheist propaganda. I'm, I'm really no, familiar with well, the Look it up. Um, and so... Uh, well, I'm wondering why that doesn't. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm just so no one knows what I'm saying with the magnetism thing. No, I have no, no, no idea. One... Okay, wonderful. We'll keep that in mind. Well, so so Michael, regardless, the the next question, had I been the the other attorney, would have been, so Mr. Behe, uh, you said that creation science is faith based. Would you similarly say that evolution science is faith based? And I guarantee he would have said yes. So the, the idea of a gotcha question like that, that lawyers play tricks, it's fine because everyone is making assumptions. The only thing that we have for these assumptions is faith. And so these evolutionary scientists are looking at the same data that creation scientists are looking at. They're inserting their assumptions uh, whether founded or unfounded assumptions, and that's the debate really, is are these assumptions founded or unfounded? Um, and they're, they're making, you know, proclamations. And, and it's the same thing. So with the, with the Ark Encounter, they're simply looking at the Christian worldview and they're simply saying, we reject the assumption 
that God is not real. We reject the assumption that, you know, there are these naturalistic forces that somehow, some way made life uh, on our planet. It just, it, it's, it's simply, it is a clash of worldviews. And, you know, the idea that science can tell us some sort of truth outside of a philosophical and worldview framework is just scientism. It's just a different, it's just a different religion. Well, the part, you're not going to find a scientist that will say that, you know, this is a scientific proof, right? Proof is for logic and math, right? And, and any scientist worth his salt will tell you that any, any conclusion that, that a science, that science comes to is provisional, right? That it's, it's possible to be revised or modified based on more information, which is a much more uh, honest way of going at something. Sure, but then, then saying no, this is it, and it can never change, right? Because like, like there's like how many revisions have there been it. to creation? Sure, because we because we think through th- more things. But the the thing is, is that in public policy, um, you know, we have decided as a society, and, and I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna say the United States. I have no idea what goes on in Canada, but um, you know, in the United States, public policy has been formed by secular humanist religion. And so now the state religion of the United States is secular humanism. So we have an established state religion of secular humanism that is crowding out other religions. And I think that that is part of the problem with scientism. So you're saying that there's a, that there's an established state religion, even though your constitution forbids it. Yes. There's lots of stuff people do in our country that the Constitution is specifically forbids. But you because, said state you know, established. Yes, there is a state established. There is a default state established religion. So you're saying that the government state, has done what the government has said the government can't do. Correct. Yes. So you're saying for all intents and purposes, not like what politicians is, have done this. Not like. So to be clear, Chris, you're not saying like it's on the books. It's like for all intents and purposes, yes, state established religion. However, technically, oh, no, we don't do that. The Constitution forbids it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So, so I mean, there is a there is a state established religion that if you go, I mean, we just saw in California uh, just this week where a grieving mother um, had her. Uh, child taken away from her because there was uh, this child had decided that she was a boy and uh, it ended up with the child uh, being taken into CPS custody, uh, forced away from her mother. um, And then the child killed herself um, because she was continually confused and had mental health issues that no one wanted to deal with. They just filled her full of drugs. And that is part of the state established religion. People came to this woman's door with guns and badges as part of the state enforced religion and made decisions for her family as part of the state enforced religion. And they destroyed this child as part of the state enforced religion. Where did this happen? This is in California. You know, it's, it's a very, this is something I do have a lot of familiarity with. Um, it is a very long, intense, uh, and arduous process that uh, north of the border, uh, Children's Aid Society, which would be our equivalent to Child Protective Services, has to go through in order to demonstrate that a parent is not fit to care for their child. Um, so yeah, it's not it, it, would, it, 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 it wouldn't just be a, 
well, you know, like for, for example, um, even if even if your child was to call the police and say, "My dad just threatened to kill me," um, like if it was if that was in Canada, CAS wouldn't be able to come to the door like in in a few hours or even in a, a couple of days, and quote unquote take your kid away. There's 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 quite a process of involvement, so it, this is very curious to me. Do you have in, like names that I can? Like that I can reference this. Yeah, where I'll, did you hear I'll about just this? send you. I'll send you the news article. It was testimony in a subcommittee in California. I believe it happened yesterday. It's very interesting. There are vast differences between Canada and the U.S. But like that's just something that couldn't happen here. Like I've been involved in the process of having a child removed from their parents' care. It's not. It's not something that happens overnight. Well, like this is. I mean, this is the thing. Like I keep making jokes. We're going to have to flee to Canada for re- religious freedom. Um, cause right. The idea is it's so much worse there, but it, it may not be. Um, so Michael, one of the things though, is all of this is relatively recent. So like in the last, I don't know, year, um, or six months. Um, and it all started from like a case in, um, in Texas where, you know, like California decided they're a trans sanctuary or something like that now. So it's all of these, um, things that haven't got, haven't been ruled on by Supreme courts yet. It's like, you know, in the funnel to, to be ruled on. Of course, I'm sure it's going to be decided like unconstitutional and they can't do it like whenever they hear the case. But in the meantime, they're doing it. So it was like a case of like this uh, guy, this couple in Texas and the kid, I don't remember if it was a boy or a girl. Um, and I don't remember if it transitioned into a boy or a girl, but whatever the kid was, um, they said they were trans or no, the mom said they were trans. And oh, that's what it was. It's a man and a, a boy. And the, the mom was pushing. She was like a, a medical, she was like actually a doctor, I think. And look this up. It's, it was somewhere, I don't know if it's Austin or somewhere in Texas. But it was it was like a dad, and I think it was an eight-year-old boy. And um, when they were, I think they were separated. And when the kid was with the mom, she like made the kid wear dresses and like said he was trans and all this. And I don't even think the kid was trying to decide or say they were. The mom was like hardcore pushing for it. And she had all these like medical like certifications and like, she was a doctor of something. Anyway, California, um, she like fled to California. And because of this case or this incident, California like, you know, rammed a bunch of stuff through saying they're like a sanctuary city for or sanctuary state for trans people now. And that's where all this kerfuffle came. So since that happened like a year maybe ago, um, everyone's just been going crazy in California doing legislation. So it's like child protective services, they like haven't even had a chance to catch up. This is all being legislated. Um, and so now the woman like fled there and moved her kid there and they threatened the dad with arrest saying, no, the dad cannot come and take the kid out of the state. They're like a guardian of the state now or because it's, they're in the sanctuary and the kid's trans because the mom says the kid's trans. Um, anyway, so that, that's where it's happening, Michael. So that's why it sounds weird to your ear uh, because it is horrible, is terrible, probably won't, you know, certainly will get struck down by the time the Supreme Court rules on it. But until they do, yeah, we're in like clown world over here. Yeah, and 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 my point wasn't to point out that particular case. Or I put po- I posted actually the the actual YouTube uncut testimony before the uh, committee, um, so you can see, you know, from the horse's mouth, it's not some news article about it. So, um, at any rate, uh, my point though is that the United States has a brutally enforced secular religion. Um, of secular humanism. And that has been creeping in slowly and slowly and slowly for decades in the United States. Um, and that is, uh, that is unfortunate. 
how we just put a damper on, on your whole outlook on humanity, Michael? Is this no. a kick you needed to consider Christianity? Because humanity is so disgusting and vile. You know, Chris, this is, this is <laughs> hilarious. So DC just posted something in the chat that's like AP fact check. And it's like, no, you, you, you didn't see the video where the lady actually was showing where this is not some social media thing, Nimrod. This is actually something that she was talking about, the testimony that happened. And this is the testimony that I posted. And your liberal media hilariousness fact checking garbage is I mean, I just don't even know what to tell you except for it's stupid. And I mean, if you want to truly believe fact checkers, knock yourself out because the last thing that they actually do is fact check. What they are doing is they are protecting the narrative. And if you want to believe in that narrative, you are more than welcome to, but I'd rather you not ever vote. Thank you. Yeah, it's like people were talking about the threads thing yesterday, and you know, at the beginning, CEO came in because he's uh, that's his his thing is social media stuff, and he was telling me I should get it because it's a new platform, and I you know, be one of the first people, and I'm like, and and it makes sense he would say something positive about it because like that's his world to be like up to date on stuff like that, so you know, use it for its whatever benefit you can garner from it, but everything I've heard like you know it immediately started and immediately like I guess they're using like AI and stuff to to censor you know incorrect information quotes and it was just showing like the litany of how like all the all the people on one political side talking about the um, i don't know cocaine dump at the white house and all the incorrect bs that came over that and just like hour by hour they're changing their story um how none of that got censored all of that was fine all of that was truthful even when the same post from the same person contradicted each other a day later so both can't be true um and none of that was fact quote, fact-checked, but all the things talking about different issues, kind of like what we're talking about or anything like that, it was just like, fact-check, fact-check, fact-check. It's like, oh, a group of our fact-checkers has decided this is incorrect. Are you sure you want to proceed? Do you really want to proceed? Do you really, really want to proceed? I'm like, man, anyone that believes fact-checkers at this point, that's like um, that's like one of those warnings that, that make you want to do something now because it's got such a bad rap immediately for being demonstrable, just false that all the poor fact checkers that are just like, oh, we've wanted to make a difference and just like legitimately do our good jobs now, they can never use that label fact checker because it's synonymous with you definitely need to read this because it's probably true. Um, anyways, that's that's the experience, uh, you know, I've seen with uh, threads in like the short time it's been out. Welcome, Brian. Good to see you, Nate. Chris? I was talking about bourbon earlier. Is that what got you in here? Were your ears itching? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's a that's a good thing. <laughs> hey, Steph, what's up? Oh yeah, I'm not chopped liver then. Okay, that's fine. I mean, you're kind of chopped liver. You're Look not right chopped over me. Okay. Brian comes up here. You're like, oh ho! Look, everybody, it's Brian. Brian is wonderful. <laughs> Hello, Brian. Hey, so wow. If I would have known you were going to be a woman about it. Jeez. <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm going to get in so much trouble. I've, I've already, like, you know, made an enemy of Harold's wife who doesn't even know I exist yet. Um, what would oh, you do I'm to Harold's wife? What happened? Nothing. I just I just told him my, my thoughts about his situation that we talked about before, and it was it was more skewed to, um, well, it, eh, 
It was a very, it was what you'd expect from me. It was a very unemotional, hard-nosed kind of approach. Wait, was this on a public stage? Yeah, it was right here. Okay, what, what happened? What's the update with his wife and what was your advice? Well, I mean, in a nutshell, like, you know, again, I, I don't have two sides. So, you know, if we talk to her, she'd be like, no, he beats me. He's a terrible monster. I'd be like, oh, well, let me, let me rechange what I said. But based on what he said, you know, he, he's, he's had some struggles. He's not been perfect. But he's, you know, followed the line of his commitments they made in their vows, according to his word. Um, but he's had some struggles and hardships. I'm like, okay, sounds fair. And it sounds like the other party involved um, is unhappy that uh, although all of his vows and commitments are being fulfilled, it's the extra stuff. Like, you know, um, this is too hard. This is too heavy of a situation. You know, I don't like these bad feels I'm getting. Uh, this is just too much stress. I need a break and move thousands of miles away. Um, and I was saying that's boulder dash <laughs> to be nice. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah I so didn't know like, well, I, I'm like, it is. It is. Yeah. I mean, that is boulder. Was he defending? Well, that? the update, no, I, I don't know. He was, he was trying to be a nice guy about it. Um, well, I mean, the update is, is still continuing like months later. I'm like, and I mean, yeah. Chris, I think had the best analysis. Like, I don't know if we want to armchair quarterback this when he's not around anymore, uh, Harold, but I mean, yeah, I agree with what Chris said. He can say it if he wants again. I don't remember what I said. You said she was trying to force him to do it, and so she didn't have to, and I agree with that. Oh, right, so that she could be the aggrieved party, and then she could remarry, you know, but... Yes. I mean, I think the main problem is they don't have a church home, so there's nobody that can speak into their life authoritatively, you know. Like, I mean, they don't have, they're not part of a community anywhere. Yeah, but it really sounds like if they had a church issues. home, like Bob would be their pastor. So right, I don't exactly. Know. <laughs> well, that's that's the other problem, is that yeah, the Unibobber would be their pastor. So I mean, you know, it's not much, not much hope there. So yeah, I mean, theology matters. That's all I'm going to say. I do agree with you. No, that sounds like a tough situation. I mean, when marriage gets hard, you can't repair it, right? You need two. And especially if one person just pieces out, uh, then what do you do? Yeah, and you I was saying, I know we've had disputes on like what, uh, you know, if truly abandonment constitutes a reason for divorce. But I'm like, you know, every time I, I think about that, I, I, I hear Steph mentioning abandonment. And I'm always curious where that is in the Bible. But regardless, if she can find it in the Bible... Um, man, I mean, this, I mean, this is like the ultimate case for abandonment. It, it, like, I mean, it's like the only reason she doesn't, he doesn't know that she's completely abandoned besides physically moving like four states away is they have a phone that they can occasionally talk to each other on. And, you know, otherwise he'd be like, well, is she like a pirate now sailing the high seas or, or something like that? Um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, this is like abandonment in just about every way. So if you can find that in the Bible brother's got a case well okay the way this was described to me is that it's abandonment of the covenant right so we have the husband and wife given their instructions for what their end of this covenant entails and certain acts like and this is not like he never does the dishes he abandoned me he abandoned his marriage covenant it's not that it's she moved to ohio and i'm in south carolina and she has no intentions of, you know, answering my phone calls or working on this marriage. Um, that is, that's an abandonment of the covenant, right? So I don't know if that goes into grounds for divorce and remarriage, 
but it certainly is a violation of the marriage agreement. So that's the way it was worded to me. And I would say he's got about the best case I've ever seen for that. Yeah, no, that's pretty clear cut. Like I said, this isn't like, she can't make the argument that she's been abandoned because he's not emotionally available for her needs, right? That's like, you know, I don't know. I guess yeah. maybe some people could, but you know what I mean? Like th this is like a, yeah, a textbook that's abandoned. Well, Chris, Brian, since we're on this, let's shift away from specifically Harold. What do you think about what Steph said about that type of abandonment? Is that a, uh, I'm going to let Brian field this one. <laughs> Are you saying is that a biblical grounds for divorce? Yes. Yes, I believe it is. Oh, I'm so relieved. I was ready. All right, to Chris, you're still on a you're still on a head. Show some solidarity with Brian now. Uh, I do not believe it is a biblical. Oh, you're grounds supposed to tell divorce. Harold about Psalms 40. Was he here? No, we forgot. And I, I, yesterday I told him I'd look into it, and I, I was busy all day long. And, I mean, I'm not, like, great at that stuff anyway. But, I mean, he's like uh, – what was it? He was like something about, like, contrast Psalms 40 with Hebrews 10. And um, what does Psalms 40 mean? I'm like, the whole thing? I'm like, I don't know. Let me Google a commentary. It's better than anything I'm going to do. I'm like, I mean, if you want, I can, like, you know, read it and tell you what I think. But I'm like, I know, like, Chris or, like, Brian or someone like that who is, like, steeped in just Old Testament stuff would probably immediately be like, I can tell you exactly what that means. Wait, before we jump to Psalms 40, I want to hear Chris's thought on this. And I also want to reiterate that Brian agreed with me. <laughs> well, it's because you're becoming more and more Calvinist every day, Steph. Oh, I'm so glad That's it's not, not me today. What? That's not even a <laughs> Calvinist yep, yep. thing. Yep. Oh, oh, it's terrible when somebody does that, isn't it? So do you also agree? Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. I, I do Oh, so you're less Calvinist. Okay, got it. Sorry. Apparently go ahead. so. Apparently I'm apparently I'm floating towards your camp now. That's the um, table's turning. Yeah. So um no, I I do not believe abandonment is a ground for divorce. Like emotional I've heard emotional abandonment. And no one uh, says that. Oh, they do because Oh no, no, I mean, I, I mean at no. my church. Oh, sorry, my bad. I mean, no one here is making that case. Like, the, the case Steph made. Like, she, she's, like, pieced out, like, physically, like, distances away. Like, like what you said. Like, not emotional. Like, I agree that's the thing, but everyone here is saying that's, that's poppycock. No one in this room is, is trying to make that case. We're talking about the, the, like, physically just peace and run away. Yeah, I mean, again, I, somebody who just runs away... Um, like you're talking about, if you initiate the divorce, then you're initiating the divorce. If they initiate the divorce, then they've simply left, right? So that would be biblical because it's like, you know, it talks about how the, you know, if the unbelieving spouse wants to leave, you know, they can leave and you're not bound. You know, that's, that's definitely biblical. If we're talking about, oh, he doesn't meet my needs. I'm emotionally abandoned. That is not biblical because right. I have seen that in churches where they basically make that argument um, that, you know, Oh, you, the, you, Oh, poor lady, you feel emotionally abandoned. Yeah. Yeet that guy out of the marriage. <laughs> right. but, 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 you like that Gen Z? You like the Gen Z? Yeet that yeah. That's a little, little yay, but 
yeah, no one, no one here. I, I agree with you, Chris. Yes, that is talked about, and that is that is junk. And everyone here agrees that is junk. But we're talking about the other thing, right? So, like, you know, the guy's wife physically left. Like, I'm sure the emotional thing is in there, but on top of the emotional thing, she physically left. So, does that mean, like, biblically, what you said? Like, well, if they if they leave, then um, you know, that's that's like what divorce or may as well be considered divorce without the paperwork, um, because they they it's not like oh, I'm here, but I'm emotionally detached. Like, nah, they left, like, states away. Uh, th- I mean, that's that's the context of what we're asking you here. And when it says unbelieving spouse, since they're ne- Unitarians, does that count as an unbelieving spouse? <laughs> yeah, that, that would. I mean, honestly, I mean, we're talking about non-Christians here, so it doesn't matter. So so is that considered yeah. basically that is a divorce? Or, like, like the, biblical, the Bible doesn't need paperwork, right? I mean, maybe in the time of Moses, sure. need a certificate of divorce. So, I mean, right. could that I don't basically know. be considered that's I her giving no him idea. divorce? I, I just, I, like, I, I don't know how divorce worked mm-hmm. in Roman law. Like, I have no idea. So, I would have to look into that exactly how the Apostle Paul would have, you know, prefaced that. Like, I just, I simply don't know. So, what I would say is, uh, you know, leaving somebody leaving or abandoning the marriage is definitely a biblical grounds. And the person who has been left is free. That's fine. I think I have much of more of a problem with the, you know, Oh, I feel emotionally abandoned because I think that that's just a modern, you know, Oh, I have a a huge problem with that. Even Uh, Steph has a huge problem. No, I don't. (laughs) I would make a case for that in certain, I know. Yeah. So so that would be, that would be just burn her. Listen, wow. there's, there's got to be a physical aspect to it, though. For example, if you have, like, I have a friend going through this right now. She's a believer and he's not. But they've been married, like, 30 years, right? She's my mom's age. And she, like, he has moved out of the bedroom. He doesn't speak to her. He goes to work. He comes home. She'll come home and say, how was your day? He'll ignore her. You know, and, and they've just, like, she, and I think part of it was just they grew apart. They got busy. But then... She was sort of like, well, I want to spend time together. I want to, you know, and he just was like, why? We're already in this great rhythm. And so she's not considering divorce, but she doesn't know what to do. So, I mean, there's always got to be a physical aspect. If he's just saying things you don't like, that's not emotional abandonment. But by the time he's moved out of the bedroom and is, is no longer speaking to, or like my parents ended up getting a divorce. They were like horrible horrible to each other. I don't know if that was abandonment, but I think there's no way they could have stayed together. Right. So I think there's certain, it's not like, it's not as clean cut always as saying, you know, like my, like my dad decided he just did not want to work on the marriage period. No counselors deal with it. Like, and, and that to me smells right. of some kind of abandonment. Right. Well, that would be sin on his part. Right. Um, right. Blue or pink hair dye. What? I want to send you something. Would you prefer? No, listen, this is not like my emotional needs aren't being fulfilled, right? This is like, (laughs) shut up. Listen. (laughs) All right. You guys are the worst. (laughs) (laughs) I can't laugh for a minute of cough. I'm still dying I think that needs to be added to scripture. That little um, snarky uh, cackle that... That may be grounds. I don't know. But wouldn't okay? Well, wouldn't you like? Is this saying like your your mom? Uh, the mom has like has like I don't know. Tried like haven't you seen every Hallmark movie ever? How like you know the guy is detached and sullen and 
the woman thinks it's his fault the whole the whole show but then she has a change of heart by the end and like she puts in some extra effort even though it's un, undeserved or unwarranted she goes above and beyond and then it melts his heart of stone he's like oh you're the love i was missing this whole time like has she tried any of that or she's like you're not meeting my needs you're not meeting my needs again not talking about sin or right and wrong just saying like out of my own curiosity was that ever tried or just like no you're not reciprocating exactly what i give you so you suck or did she try to go above and beyond and he's still like nah not having it with my parents specifically yeah yeah so so they were like broke and young like you know they got married at 21 and i was born when they were still in college right so it was like this they were very they went to a christian school where everyone did that and they were just so young not that you shouldn't do that they were so young so then my mom um, stayed home and then there was all the financial pressure on my dad to work. So he was working like four jobs. And then when he was home, he just had no interest in being around us or being around her. Um, you know, he, he was like playing. He also played in bands and did guitar stuff like that was his he's a musician. So that's been his thing. So then by the time I was a little older in my memory, my mom was like, trying to and they would fight like I'm not painting her as though she's innocent right she would nag to death I'm sure but she would like let's go to counseling let's move closer to like my mom is blind and can't drive right so we lived out in the country and a huge problem for her was that she had no mobility like she didn't have an ability to get downtown or to get a job or to go visit friends unless they came to her and he was never available to transport her so she was like, we need to move because I need to have more access to a normal life. And he was just like, no, I don't want to do that. So so there were a lot of elements. But in my memories, she put a lot of effort into trying to change things to make it work. And he remained uninterested. And she ended up saying that she had been abandoned in the marriage because of that. Does that make sense? So I just always felt that that was justified. And I guess I could be corrected on that. I don't know. But wait, so did they get divorced or she felt like it was she was emotionally abandoned but they didn't divorce? No, she she left at the advice okay. of their pastor. The the pastor confirmed that that was emotional abandonment because he wasn't going to he wasn't going to marital counseling. He wasn't taking the advice of the pastor to take a day off and be home with the family. He was just like uninvested at that time. He's very different now. This was when he was like 28, right? He was just uninvested. Well, did the church then, throw him out? Uh I don't think they needed to because after the divorce, everyone moved and we went to a different church. So I guess I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that commenting on the specifics of Steph's parents is pretty, is kind of wildly inappropriate. I mean, cause we don't, I, I mean, it's a public forum. So I mean, doing that. I just ask inquiry. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're you. very like, no, okay. I, Here's the thing in my family. So then we went to a single parent family camp where we talked about this. Like all of this has been, I'm not revealing any secrets. Like this has been pretty, they're pretty open about it. And my dad is still very active in the church and has to address it. Right. Like he's remarried. So it's something that he has to be open about. Um, so I don't know. I don't feel like I'm betraying them or anything. Yeah. yeah I mean, so basically what I'm getting is I can never meet Harold's wife or Steph's mom and probably dad. <laughs> okay. So you're going <laughs> to side not with my mom. Is that? <laughs> No, I'm just saying I could probably just meet, never meet anyone's spouse or parents. <laughs> I don't know. So, so again, I don't have feelings towards this. This was 
28 years ago. I'm over it. If you say that that was unjustified divorce, then I am not going to lose any sleep. So in that situation where it seems as though, you know, so that what ended up happening was my mom left because it didn't seem like a, a situation she could, you know, she could emotionally survive for a number of reasons. So she leaves and they get the divorce. Is that not abandonment in your opinion, Chris? So he did abandon, but uh, not in the sense, in the biblical sense. And so in my, again, it's my personal opinion. Again, I don't know how law worked in the Roman Empire so that we have an analog exegetically. But my sense of it is that, um, and again, woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? This is 30 years ago, but um, it sounds like your parents are my age. That's weird. Anyway, so. Um, Born in 65 and 66. I think okay, so not not quite yeah, my age. They're, they're, they're about ten years older than me. But anyway, so um, or eight years. But From anyway, now on, so just call me daddy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Big Daddy Kane was Big Daddy Brian. <laughs> so um, I lost my train of thought. So so uh, what I would say is in that particular that. case. Yeah. I think that your your mom got really bad counsel from your pastor and she should she could move out to try to shock the system and to try to change the day by day narrative for sure. Um, you know, and then the church would take public discipline on the you know, on your dad. Um, and if he refused that discipline, then he would be forced to leave. And if he is forced to leave the marriage, then she would be free. Um, uh, and then with her or with him, um, like he, I, I don't think there's any grace for him, like being remarried. I think that, uh, you know, he, uh, he screwed up. Um, he should have never gotten remarried. And I would not, if I were, on the elder board of a church approving memberships, I would never let him into a biblical church. Not to be harsh, but like he is marked for life and he's done. Wow. Brian, so, keep and this is, oh. this is from the guy who said we shouldn't be commenting. <laughs> no, that was, that's really interesting, right? Because, okay. The reason that I'm interested in hearing about this, but, and Brian, I do want to hear yours too, is because I don't want to repeat the same mistakes. And if I, like my brother is going through a horrible divorce now and God forbid this ever happens to my children. I want to give them good counsel, right? So this is not emotional for me. It's educational. And Chris, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, Brian, what were you? Well, I, I was just going to read a couple of little short paragraphs. This is from the conclusion of the PCA's uh, position statement on divorce and remarriage. Um, so it's at the end of that uh, paper on the link that I sent. Uh, starts at the bottom of page 291, if you wanted to look at it. But it says, we find that scripture teaches that there is only one biblical justification for divorce, namely sexual immorality, which breaks the one flesh relationship. Jesus did not intend by the exception clause to open wide the door for divorce. Uh, pornea is used by Jesus to refer only to those sexual sins that clearly destroy the marital union. It goes on, it says, in 1 Corinthians 7, 10 through 15, Paul is not giving a second ground for divorce. He is responding to those real-life situations, you got to watch the nuance here, where divorce has become a fiat accompli. In other words, they've already become divorced because of the abandonment. 
He says, according to verses 10 and 11, if two believers divorce, they are to remain single or be reconciled. According to 12 through 15, if an unbelieving spouse divorces a believing spouse, the believer is not bound as he or she would be if the dissenting spouse or the deserting spouse had been a believer. In Paul's day, the separation spoken of in 1 Corinthians 7, 10 through 15 was itself an act of divorce. In our day, such separation is not regarded as such. Therefore, the believing spouse whose unbelieving spouse separates from him or her is left in an anomaly, that is, divorced and free to remarry in the eyes of God and his word, but not divorced in the eyes of the state. To resolve this anomaly, the committee holds that the believing spouse may initiate legal action to make her biblical divorce legal in the eyes of the state. And then it goes on. Huh. So there are so where, where some... Are you for, where are you reading this from? Um, that's from the PCA's position paper oh. on divorce and remarriage. He put yeah, the so link yeah. in the chat. Oh. Yeah, that's yeah, really good. Second, I would agree with that. Yeah. So, yeah, the, so there are some redemptions from from it, like namely some of the ones you just named, like. Uh, you're chopping up a little bit, Xbox. Sorry, I, I was asking about. I might still be. Can you hear me better? Uh, yeah. So there are some redemptions um, built into this. Is that kind of what I was hearing? Well, I mean, I think I think the point is that. Like in, in, in the case of whoever you were talking about earlier, whose wife, you know, moved off and did, did whatever, um, the, the point that they're making is that in, in, in a biblical sense, they are divorced. In the eyes of God, the marriage covenant has already been broken. And, and at that, what po- oh, sorry. At what point would you say that happens? So, like, for example, like, I don't see anything <clears> wrong to, like, leaving, like, uh, someone, I think Steph said, to like reset or take some time. Like if someone's like, okay, look, I got to shake things up. This isn't happening. I'm going for a month. Like I wouldn't yeah. consider that like biblical divorce. So like at what point would you, would you yeah. think that like that, that is biblical divorce when they just leave, if they like leave with yeah. no intent of coming back or a certain time passes? Yeah. I mean, here, let, let me read this next. Let, let me, let me read this next little paragraph here. And um, it, it addresses that maybe slightly, but it also gives some other info. It says, The committee believes that when there are words and actions on the part of one spouse that threatens the life of the other spouse and or children, that the ones threatened should be counseled by the session or or representative thereof to remove themselves from the threatening situation, and the abuser should be urged to seek counsel. Uh, Such a procedure will protect the threatened. When the abuser does not cease these words and actions, the sessions should investigate whether these words and actions are an effect breaking of the one flesh relationship by hating, quote, the abused spouse and by, quote, not nourishing and cherishing the one, Ephesians 5, 28, 29. In counseling the abuser, the reality of his Christian faith should be ascertained when it's determined by the session that the abuser does not appear to them to be a Christian and the abuse continues, the Pauline teaching about the unbeliever leaving the believer should be applied. Um, 
we realize that there are some who will see our viewpoint on desertion as a relaxing of standards, as an opening of the door to all sorts of reasons for divorce. As a committee, we repudiate such an inference from our viewpoint remains solidly within the reform consensus. We believe this less wooden construction of desertion is a more faithful representation of scripture, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I would agree with all that. I think that's very, yeah, I mean, I changed my mind on that, Brian. So thank you. So like, it's, it's just that simple. Like you hear a good argument. Um, and that is a very, very good argument from the PCA from people that I trust. So like, that sounds excellent. I would take no exception to any. Yeah, there, there are an unbelievable amount of quotes and dealing with scripture in this document. I mean, it's, it's, it's really well worth reading if somebody's interested in that topic. Yeah, Steph, maybe give it a read and then let us what, let us know what you think. And yeah, that's but... one more step toward Christ and toward becoming a Calvinist. Start toward, okay, you're, you're putting the two <laughs> All right. At what point does this become sinful, Chris? <laughs> it it's just oh. funny. My blood pressure just like spikes every time. Oh yeah, did you get that taken care of or whatever? Listen, are you... I had to wear this 24-hour monitor and I complained. I had no grace about it whatsoever. It was the worst. They like wire it through your shirt. You can't change your clothes. You can't shower for 24 hours. You have to show up at the hospital the next day looking like a homeless person. It goes off every 15 minutes, so you get this like nice jolt of adrenaline every time this thing <laughs> goes off. It's horrific. Is oh. that what inspired your grouchy mod tag yesterday? <laughs> like, yeah, probably. Aren't you like a full-time hippie chick? Like, wouldn't like not showering for 24 hours be the norm? Yeah, I was going to say Excuse that. Excuse me. Wow, that's really rude. Uh, no, that comes not from the hippiness, but from the motherhood. So, yeah, I guess that's not as big a deal. But not being able to change my shirt was very annoying. So, Steph, basically, you went to Woodstock. <laughs> you look like Woodstock and said, make love, not war. No, I never have done that. Nope. So, Steph, the, the, Woodstock, the, the Woodstock 99, you would have been a child, right? I would have so missed... 10 in 1999, yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, Woodstock 99, you would have been a child at that one, and you didn't exist for the other one. So, wow. That might missed all the Woodstocks. Though. You're well, definitely. what's up, Yvette? How are you doing today? You're the only one I haven't heard speak, I think. Maybe Sean, too. Good, thank you. I hope you all, all are doing good as well. I am. I have, yeah, I had a question, but it has nothing to do with marriage or divorce. So We talked about that two hours. I think we're good. <laughs> I think we have a resolution. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> yeah, I I was wondering if there there can be sinless perfection. Yeah. Uh, when we're in Christ. <laughs> Sorry, oh. go ahead. I, I I don't know where you're going. I was just, I'm in a mood today. Go ahead. Sorry. Continue. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I was just wondering if there's any sinless perfection when we're in Christ, like through his righteousness that we live under alongside with him. I wonder if that, if, if you live perfect because of that, Sinless um, if I, I would say it this way and see if you agree with what you were saying. So if you want to say like sinless perfection, no, you're going to sin till the day you die. 
But if you want to say like because of Christ's righteousness and, you know, being imputed to you, his paying for your sin. So even though there's no getting away from sin in this world, um, whatever, you know, God sees you like, you know, he sees Christ or Christ's righteousness or something like that. And you're equating, you're saying that is sinless perfection because it's, it's really Christ's righteousness that you're putting for yourself. I would say sure, but I would say there's another way to say that. How how I just said it. <laughs> it was that your question, or did I mess that up? Because that's how I would. That's how I understood you saying it. And so I would say, if that's how you understand it, then sure you can say that. But as to not be confusing, I would just say it the way you said it, or the way I said it. <laughs> I would have to rehear it uh, when I re-listen to this. Um, let's like let's like Brian yeah. or Chris take a stab at it. So. Sinless perfection, people that teach that, they don't understand the holiness of God. God is so apart and so other and so holy that for us to claim that in this life we can achieve some type of sinless perfection is to completely misunderstand the character and nature of God. But is that what you were doing, Yvette? You like you weren't you 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 were adding you, you were adding something to it, right? It's not like not like people that preach preach sinless perfection who really believe they go the rest of their life without sinning. You weren't saying that. You were like adding. You're like changing it a bit, right? Yeah, I was. I was uh, just asking if it was possible to do it through the righteousness of Christ that you um, that that's that covers you. That, but only when you believe in Jesus, right? So, only when you walk with Jesus because you believe in Him. Um, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I know we all fall short, uh, of the glory of God, but, um, I I'm talking about like when there's times, you know, when we can say we can, um, uh, give to the poor and, or I don't know how else you use that. I mean, the righteousness of Jesus, I, I just, I just know that, uh, you just so, love so people. Uh-huh. Right. So like w w with with the righteousness of Jesus like imputed to you, right? So yes. so your your sinless before God, nothing you did, all because of what Jesus did, he exactly. paid for you. So now you stand sinless before God. However, the righteousness of Christ or anything like that is not going to keep you from sinning in this life. I guarantee everyone who has ever okay, well, maybe someone gets struck immediately after by lightning, but without some crazy exception, um everyone who has called on the name of the Lord, been forgiven, been saved, uh, been a new creation in Christ, been a Christian, has sinned in their life. Unless, you know, like like some one-off anomaly where they get struck by lightning immediately after doing it and then they just didn't have a chance. But anyone that's like continued living after they've been a Christian has sinned. Um, so yeah. So from God's point of view, we're sinless because he sees Jesus when he sees us. So it's nothing we do. It's it's God. It's God's righteousness. That that's it. Um, but from our pers from our perspective, yes, we are going to continue to sin. Hopefully, that's less and less. Um, that's the goal. But yet, we still will sin. Oh, okay. But it doesn't change the fact that um, when we're reborn, our we're perfect. Like our spirit is perfect, right? Our spirit, like a, our new creation spirit. The new yes. heart and the new spirit that Christ gives us is perfect. 
Well, it's Christ's righteousness. So if that's what you're saying, then sure, we are perfect. If you're saying it's because of Jesus and he's perfect. If we're saying, yeah, I, I don't know how else I can, I can speak to that. Anyone else want to take a stab at it? I've said it every way I can think of. Yeah, um, the reason that was that. Oh, go ahead, Apostle. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, uh, bless God. Uh, I, I just wanted to say, um, in all serious, I, uh, when it comes to the sinless perfection, the only person that I know really hypes that is Jesse Lee Peterson. And. <laughs> and his and his and his and his message sounds a little heretical to me at, at times, uh, but uh, but this idea that the only way you are you can touch God's holiness is comes through receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now the process of sanctification and holiness or holiness or consecration. All three mean the same thing. Living a life set apart to God. You only get to do that uh, through a constant fellowship with the Lord and his people. And otherwise, and the scripture bears me out, you can. Uh, we were talking. We were talking about that today in um, Ezekiel, and in, uh, and in um, Second Kings when we're dealing with King Jehu. Jehu did everything the Lord told him except one thing. He continued to still deal with the the things that made Israel sin because of Jeroboam which were the casts that was written in, made in Dan and uh, I want to say Bethesda, but I think I'm wrong. But also, Christ said it like this. These people serve me with, they serve me with their lips and they, and they love, but in vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrine, sins, teaching as commandments, the doctrines of men. You make the word of God of no effect in your life. So when we do things like that and just give God lip service and not heart service, there's no way we can live a sanctified life. And thank you. Uh, Xbox, what's up? I forgot to ask how you were doing. I mean, you had your, you chimed in earlier, but yeah, what's up? It's been a while. I hope everything is well. Doing good. Doing good. Did you have any uh, question on your mind, or were you just chipping into the other subject? I was just wondering about that redemption on the if there was a road to redemption on the other subject, but but I'm sticking around to see if something else pops up that that may may have a question for if you don't mind. Sure, sure. Well, it seems like there was a question in chat about the flood. Let's see. This has got stuff all over it. I have a question. If there isn't long, you need one. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Uh, asking in another room people under, how people understand the worldwide flood in the third millennium BCE in light of the textual and archaeological record. Um, through that millennium, I've heard bad arguments, but I suspect 
that there may be more sophisticated arguments. Thoughts? How do you know? Uh, my arguments would just be in the abs, uh, like from ignorance. Um, maybe not the way you think, but because we we don't know, and there's so much leeway, right? Was it an absolute 100% global flood that covered every single treetop or every single mountain peak, every single thing totally? Or was it like a multi-regional flood, which, you know, there are plenty of geologists and archaeological evidence for that. And can that be uh, conflated with, uh, with global, um, multi-regional global? Um, does that mean like there's the Bible has errors if someone says it's global, but it was really multi-regional? Or is that just a manner of speaking? Like as far as the eye can see, or like when Jesus was taken to the top of the world, or you know, at the top of a mountain and saw all the kingdoms of heaven, and people try to conflate that with flat earth. I'm like, no, that's just a manner of speaking, or some other spiritual sense he saw all this stuff. Um, so those would be my arguments that that there are there's plenty of leeway to have your cake and eat it too. So global, multi-regional, um that that would be what I'd say. Um, if you want to respond to any of that, Josh. I mean, there's really no way to, right? Unless you're just like, no, every conceivable scenario is absolutely impossible. Um, then, yeah, I believe there's plenty of plenty of wiggle room. Not at the expense of, you know, having to believe it, and so it has to has to like sound right or has to make sense. I just believe there's plenty of plenty of space in between there that it it's easily plausible. And let's say you, Steph. Oh, go ahead, X. Oh, are are you an anarchist and a uh, um? What you call it? Uh, not in. What's the other that's not in there? Literalist. Literal. You want to say thank right? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Are you a literalist and an inheritist, or or yes. one of the other? Yes, we are. Yeah, both. All of the above. Okay. Okay. Right on. But also, you know, keep in mind, right? Like what what that means. Like you know, I I I, I mean, this should go without saying. Like, you know, whenever the Bible talks about parables, parables, well, I literally believe it is a parable. So, you know, in context. So if the Bible says it, like the way the Bible says it, that's the way I believe it. So if it's talking about like the parable of Jesus, it's like, well, how, why don't you read that literally? Because it, it says it's literally a parable. For example. Yeah, I think sometimes uh, being a, a literalist or an inerrantist um, can get you into um, binds that you have to try to work your way out of, that it seems, just from from what I've heard argued, you know, around, especially like the, like the flood, whether there's a global flood and or regional floods and and things like that. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure what the okay. bind would be. Like, I believe in a global flood. I don't think there's any bind. I don't think there's any problem with that. Oh, I'm. I don't. I meant between you and Josh. Like, if if Josh is saying that um, he was having problems arguing it because of things like the it flooding and <clears throat> excuse me, flooding the whole world and all the way to the tops of the mountains and. And things like that, with someone that's going to come back and and argue that you know that that can't be possible, blah blah blah. Right, and so the the whole thing is just that there's assumptions that people are making. So there are so there are also they're making assumptions that all the topology of the Earth is the exact same today as it was then. Uh, they're making assumptions that it, there's just 
an inordinate amount of assumptions that you have to make uh, in order to uh, dispute the biblical narrative, just like there are assumptions that we make in the biblical narrative. So it's just a matter of who's got what assumptions. And, you know, my assumptions are that the scripture is true based on the resurrection of Christ. That's it. So whatever the scripture says, that is true based on the resurrection of Christ. That is why I believe it is true. It literally doesn't matter to me what any of the arguments are. There, the, the only argument I care about is the resurrection of Christ. I feel like we should be saying amen. Amen. I mean, like the rest of it just doesn't matter. Like there's so much, there's so many unanswered questions and so many things that if you just tweak a single assumption, it could change the entire outcome of the argument. Like, you know, I just read it. So, so Josh was talking about, you know, in third millennium BC flood, you know, so the traditional date of the flood is around 2556 or something like that, um, BC. And so, you know, it's like, well, the pyramids are older than that. And it's like, well, how do we know the pyramids are older than that? Well, there was an ancient scholar in 200 BC that listed all of the reigns of the pharaohs. And what we do is we take all the reigns of the pharaohs, we add them all up, and that's how we get how old Egypt is. Well, that's not taking into account historical inaccuracies with that account. And so Egypt may not be as ancient as you know the current scholarship says it is, because the assumption that they are making is that there are consecutive reigns of pharaohs instead of concurrent reigns of pharaohs over middle, uh, high, and low kingdom. So, I mean, it, it just depends on the assumptions that you're coming with. No one likes to discuss the assumption. And I mean, it, it really becomes a hand wave, right? Because like going back to the resurrection, like that's that's the, the defining point of Christianity. Um, and then, I mean, first of all, like all the other stuff peripheral to Jesus is subsumed in that. Like yesterday, this guy was like fighting incessantly, should have been here for it, is Michael number two, um, was fighting incessantly um, about where does it say in the Old Testament that, uh, you know, Jesus will be dead three days and rise in the third day. And people are arguing about that. I'm like, well, again, go to the resurrection because everything is subsumed. It doesn't matter if you don't understand stuff about the Old Testament or if you disagree with, you know, the interpretation of the Old Testament talking about Jesus is going to rise in three days. If Jesus is over here ascending, having been resurrected, and everyone's like, oh, there he goes, here he goes, up, up, and away. And you're still like down here with your face in your Torah saying, I don't understand this. Show this to me. I disagree with your interpretation. Meanwhile, Jesus is like floating up, up, and away. It's like, okay, well, clearly he resurrected. Clearly he's ascending. Therefore, just because you don't understand stuff doesn't make it mean it didn't happen. So, and then it's like, well, you want to say it's a cheap excuse, but it's also an accurate reason. If people are like, well, like if Jesus ascends, like, you know, if you believe the eyewitness testimony, my spirit bears witness, all that fun stuff, <clears throat> Jesus ascends. Great. Christianity is proven. The God of the universe has risen and ascended back to his throne in heaven. Therefore, uh, you're really saying a donkey could talk? Yes. Why? Because God. Done. But that's not a ah, resurrection. But that's not a ah. So the, the point is, even though it sounds like a cheap hand wave away to all these, all these discussions, the implication is if Jesus raised, which that is the point everything is based on in Christianity. So because Jesus rose, all the other stuff is true. All you have to do is figure it out. So like, you know, like you said, tweak an assumption here and there. 
Um, maybe you're missing information. Maybe you need to research it more. Or maybe just be like, well, it's true. I don't need to understand it. What I need to understand is Jesus. Because if that part is true, that's the ultimate claim. Like that's the hill we're, di we're dying on in our claim. So because that's true, all this other stuff is true. You just need to make it fit from like a correct way, not like you're grasping at straws because you need to. It's like you know the conclusion. And the way you know the conclusion is the claim. So that's the thing to dispute. Not saying where well, you're trying to make puzzle pieces fit. It's saying, no, the puzzle piece I'm, I'm making fit is I believe the resurrection of Christ. Therefore, we know the, the rest of the puzzle fits. Just because we may not understand it um, doesn't mean it, it's not a puzzle. Do you guys follow that rat's, rat's maze around? Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's like you found the corner piece of the puzzle. I got you. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I, I, I did understand it. <laughs> I have another question. Yeah. So when we're in Christ and I imagine that when I say when I when we're in Christ, it means when we're connected to Christ. Um, are we holy? Um, like him, um, also. You ask a lot of deep questions. What do you, what do you mean? Like, are we holy like him also? It's just that I, I ask deep questions because I, they, the, there's a scripture that says, as he is, so are we. I don't know what that means. Uh, I mean, maybe so you can help we me. So we will that. be. That's talking about glorification. Oh. Right. So it's not talking about we are the same as Christ now. There are some people that are heretics that teach that. Um, you know, but the whole thing is like what Nate and Brian were talking about is the idea of positional righteousness. And, and in the Reformation, they talked about simultaneously righteous and a sinner. Right. And so we are simultaneously righteous and simultaneously sinful. Oh, like I'm wondering, like I'm just wondering, like if you if you're asking this, like I'm, I'm trying to, I don't know, maybe, maybe jump on our couch for a minute. Um, like I'm trying to wonder, like the deeper thing, is it like uh, just like intellectual curiosity or you're just like trying to grow in the scriptures? Or is it because like you uh, oh, keep okay. doing? Like, I can tell you. Yeah, I can tell you. I don't know when, like, when we serve Christ, if we're we're supposed to try to be righteous or be righteous or try to be holy or be holy. I'm trying to figure out: Are we being holy or are we trying to be holy? Because. Right. You get what I'm saying or no? I, I think I do. Is that like some like, for example, you're bothered because you continue, I don't know, maybe sinning or yelling or something, kicking at your cat or something like that. Like you continue doing things that you think would probably be sinful. Um, and you're like, well, if I'm really a Christian, I shouldn't be sinning. Right. Um, or have I completely missed the base? You're 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 on. Yes. You, you know, congratulations. That. You are a fellow human. Yes. So what what we're telling you. We will be like Christ, like Chris said, but yes, we will struggle with sin. So it doesn't mean throw your hands up in the air and try to do evil. It doesn't mean you don't make an effort because, I mean, you've got to do something, right? So what are you going to do? Um, 
are you going to go to the liquor store and just like start downing, I don't know, downing vodka just because? Well, well, no. I mean, you know, you make an effort. I mean, it's not like you're trying to like have a works-based salvation, but you're not consciously trying to sin. So, you know, when you know better, do better. That's, that's like a secular way of saying that. So, yeah, like every day I do things. Um, gosh, I, I, let me think. I probably said something or done something this morning that was bad. Um, anyway, it doesn't matter. Like in the last week, I've definitely sinned. Um, I mean, I haven't like, you know, egregiously like, you know, murdered people or, you know, ate humans out of Chris's fridge or anything like that. But I mean, you know, I've, I've said some stuff I shouldn't have um, and, and things like that. But yes, we will all sin. And if Chris is being honest, he's probably got a laundry list of sins too. Yet we're we're all hopefully a short laundry list. That's the goal. My, my, mine yet, is we're, bigger we're, than you. <laughs> yet we're, we're all Christians. We're all alive in Christ, even though we continue to sin. So you're not damned. You're not a bad person. You're not a heretic. Uh, I mean, if you're eating people, you know, cannibalizing people, let us know. I mean, we'll talk about that. But assuming you're, you're just, you're trying to do better. You're trying to live like Christ. You're trying to follow the Bible and live by his example. Yet you don't always get it right. You're just like the people he came to save. You're just like the people who are saved. Okay, cool. Thank you. That makes me feel a lot better. Thanks. It should. What should make you feel not good is if you think you're going through life not sinning at all and being completely perfect. That should be worrying to you. <laughs> so, but that's not happening. <laughs> so, Nate, Chris, what do you think of Jesse Lee Peterson's statement that we should never sin after we receive Jesus Christ? I think, I think he's you a can Satan that. worshiper. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I mean, I think, I, I mean, I could be more charitable to say, sure, I think we should never sin. That sounds good. However, we will sin. So, so if he wants to put something that we should aspire to, I'd be like, yeah, we should. No, never no, he's, sin. But he's dogmatic. Oh, I, I know, right? He, the, 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 what Chris said, the Satan thing. Well, no, I mean, that, look at his life. Follow him around for a week and count up how many things in the Bible. Call it's hard he does. for me to. It's hard for me to follow someone who makes me sick. Every time I hear him. <laughs> right. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, you could try to like, you could try to like do a works based salvation, like, you know, take matters into your own hands and like, um, you know, just sit in a room and never do anything. But then, I mean, you're eventually going to sin anyways, because knowing not to do good or knowing to do good and not doing it is sin. So even if you just like try to like cage yourself in a closet, so you never, never do anything bad. Well, great. You you know to do good. You you know that you should like do something. Like goodness, tell people about Jesus. Like you know, there's good things to do, and if you don't do them, the Bible calls that sin. So there's no way around it. Even if even if you don't do sins like you know, curse, drink, smoke, steal. I'm not smoking, but you, you know, like just what well, the traditional sins like murder people, rob banks, lie, steal, cheat, all that stuff. If you don't do those things, you're still sinning. You're you're sinning by omission. You're sinning by knowing to do good and not doing it. Even if you're like, no, I live my life in my house. I never go anywhere. I never see anyone. Great. You've somehow sinned because you could have, well, like, you, have you know, you could have done good for someone and you knew that, but you didn't. Congratulations. You have thought sin as well, right? Like, yeah. So like there, there's no way of getting away from it. And even if you're like, I'm so holy, I'm so righteous. I haven't sinned. Great. You just sinned because you just lied. Yeah, I don't ever see how you could ever escape like uh, thought sin, unless you were kind of um, being brain controlled. <laughs> you know, X, I, you 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 seem to be more more charitable to to these um, discussions. Are are you just? Um, I mean, I know I've always been a nice guy, but is your 
I forgot. Were, did you used to be like an, an atheist or agnostic? And are you still, or have you yeah, moved I'm one still level a over to whatever you were? Yeah, I'm still a Huxley and agnostic, and it, yeah, and I'm 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 definitely fair on on both sides because I'm just not convinced by by either side. So I'm I'm not here to argue against either side. I'm more for enlightenment kind of kind of deal discussion and, and enlightenment on these these apps oh bob um how are you a pastor uh, he says what is thought sin i mean you know because someone quote the bible verse to do it justice like you know if you look at a woman with lust uh, you know you've committed adultery in your heart thought sin were you, were you... bob did you get your camera set up and everything you ready to catch this deer? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Got that all fixed up. Uh, Make sure you don't drink their blood. That's a sin. I'm not, but I'm going <laughs> to get me a pig. What I'm going to do. <laughs> don't eat that pig. That's that's violating the Levitical law. <laughs> I'm cool do... with it, but other people say it's a sin. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. But no, yeah, thought, thought ahead, man. Sorry. You, a thought sin... If if the devil couldn't give you no thought, you would never sin. I mean, that's thought sin. Well, what you just said may be a sin, but no, I mean, look at Romans 1. Like, it talks about, like, we had that conversation a couple weeks ago. Not you, but the collective. Um, and it was, <clears throat> can some people actually, like, one-up the devil in, like, evil? <laughs> and you'd like to think, well, no, because he's been around a long time. He's, like, you know, the ultimate source of, the ultimate being of evil. But in Romans 1, it talks about how people invented new ways to sin. So does that mean um, the devil didn't have to, like, sit on their shoulder and, like, you know, talk them into, like, doing, like, different sins or giving them ideas? Like, people were so, like, messed up and debased that they they actually, like, all right, devil, hold my drink. And they came up with new ways that, like, you know, people have been making the joke, I think it was a Babylon Bee thing, about Pride Month and how it was, like, so in people's faces. And it's like a... The article was like, you know, Satan begs uh, pride parades to tone it down a notch because people are going to catch on. <laughs> so it's like, you know, that kind of goes with Romans 1, like how people invented new ways to do evil. I mean, if you want to be a biblical literist, there you go. People uh, have invented new ways of doing evil. So the devil could be like, guys, you're, you're getting ahead of me too much. You're welcome, Nate. <laughs> are you saying you're, you're the devil or one of the people who invented new ways of doing evil? No, I've 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 won up the devil several several times. Oh. <laughs> um, there's a there's a great what? movie that uh, if you haven't watched it, you should. It's called The Invention of Lying, with Ricky Gervais. Mm. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. It's it's a fascinating uh, movie. Uh, basically, there's this society where no one no one lies, um, and he finally does, and it's it's fascinating to it's fascinating to watch. It truly is. Hmm. Well, okay. welcome, Brenda. If you remember okay. me back in the G plus days, I do. I, I, I wouldn't ever um, necessarily argue for for either side or the other. I might point out logical fallacies and things like that, or or things that didn't make sense. But I I argue the same then that I that I do now. And yeah, I remember I, you were always a nice guy, and we got along. I I just couldn't remember yeah. if you were like an atheist or agnostic. You said Huxley and agnostic. What's what's the how the, the you... only difference is between that and a regular agnostic is that I'll make a claim beyond that about reality that even if a God did exist, there would be 
no way to know it. Or just, like what the God wanted you to know it or something. That's that's the only way I can think of uh, around it is that yeah, that that God would have to actually you know reveal Himself in a way that you couldn't deny. So like um, if he if he came to Earth and rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. <laughs> Nate, 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 you read Romans. You read Romans. What does it say right there? Everything God has made it clear because you can see the things that He has made. I mean, you're without excuse. I mean, unless you just want to play dumb, you know. Yeah, no, no, I know Romans, and I, I don't want to get into. Uh, like that kind of argument or a precept kind of argument. <laughs> and, I, and I don't have time for that kind of argument. But Brenda, I've got, I've got a short amount of time left. Um, you, you made it. I'll stick around a few minutes for you. What's up, Brenda? Um, just good morning. Can you hear me? Good morning. Yes. Okay. Because sometimes the audio on this goes bad. And you were talking. I came in. I heard you talking about pride. And, of course, I don't think that there's anything wrong with being a homosexual or transgender in my case. Okay. And, and uh, you know, I think it's kind of um, uh, reprehensible to be casting around calling people evil simply because they're how God made them. So the first thing I'd say is um, you're perhaps conflating. So, I mean, I don't disagree, but I mean, to say that and you got you got to mute when you're not talking because we hear some background noise. Um, but yeah, I don't disagree. But what I actually said, you know, I, I was reading Romans one, and yet I say I was saying people invented new ways to do evil. So if you, um, I mean, like you just said, that I mean that kind of invalidate your own argument. Like if if they were made this way, they presumably wouldn't be inventing that way. So if we want to talk about new ways of like I don't know debasing oneself or um, hooking up with. Um, I don't know, just anything else you can think that's not traditionally understood as evil, like new inventive ways to torture people or maim people or something like that. That would be what I mean, um, even to your own argument. But, I mean, yeah, I think uh, homosexuality is a sin. Let's category shift now in the Bible, right? And, I mean, you don't think it is. You don't believe in God anyway. So, I mean, that's fine. Well, it's your life. Um, I do. So, I mean, that's, that's yeah, just that's, a disagreement. So, what I'm saying is that even if, in your context, homosexuality is a sin, that doesn't mean it's evil. I take evil to be, you know, willfully causing harm to somebody. So torturing somebody is evil. But simply being gay isn't. It might be a sin in your worldview, but it isn't necessarily evil. It's not willful. I mean, that's just naturally how people who are homosexual are. Yeah, and we could get philosophical about it. So on one hand, I totally agree. I totally agree with what you said. On the other, more like spiritual, philosophical type uh, way to go, if something is not inherently good, it, it's binary because um, that exists in spirituality. It's it's if it's not good, it's automatically evil. So like as far as your day to day life, I would not say like you know going about if I see someone they're like hey I'm gay or hey I'm trans or wh whatever or, hey I'm a I'm a girl that likes other girls. I, I wouldn't call them like an evil person like in my day to day existence. Um, but if you want to get spiritual. Well, then you can say anything that is not straight up good. The only other thing it can be is evil, not because you're harming oh, people, not because anything like that, but because spiritually, if you're not doing something that God calls good, well, then there's only one other thing it can be. So, like, I don't I, I disagree and also agree with you at the same time. 
well, depending on what we're talking about. I, I just don't think that um, that's the way things. It's not a black and white. It, it it's either good or evil. I think you can have shades of gray in between. Um, what what people call evil and what they call good. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be black and white. People can be um, somewhere in the middle, closer to one end or the other, or smack dab in the middle. No, well, yeah, I mean, no. it makes perfect sense uh, why you don't believe in this. Well, uh, oh, hang on. I didn't yeah. hear talking about. Hang on one second. Well, I mean, it makes perfect sense why you're not a Christian. But, I mean, you know, that that's where we disagree. Like, I, I believe – I mean, some things are gray, right? Like, in Romans 14, at the end of Romans 14, there's – there. I mean, that is the biblical gray area. It's like where, where your conviction led by the Holy Spirit leads you for things the Bible does not specifically say in black and white. Um, like that's Christian gray is Romans 14, like verse 28, well, I, I, but that's as, that's as gray as it gets. So, I mean, otherwise though, spiritually speaking, yes, it's very black and white. It's very binary. No, and if you don't, that's, right. But that's you, but that's you. That's Brenda, not. Hang on, Brenda, don't interrupt me. What I'm saying is, yes, I know that's me. I know you're, you're a gray person. That's you. But then to ab like disagree in an absolute, like I'm wrong. You can't prove that. So all you can say is no. your opinion, which there's lots of gray, and what I can say is my opinion, which is black and white. That's well, just where we disagree. Yeah, but you're, I'm saying that even within Christianity, your position is extreme. Because all throughout Christianity, there have been many philosophers and theologians who acknowledge uh, – um, who don't have this binary it's either if if something isn't good it must be evil they don't uh, this is just not something that you would find even in theology or, or among theologians they, they would all acknowledge the existence of shades of gray i mean your, your position is your understanding but a lot of christians down through history have disagreed with you well that's fine that's their opinions but but we're arguing about a non-issue but, but it doesn't practically but it, it doesn't make them non it doesn't make them non-Christians. And I'm not saying it does. I thought so you did. We're, no, we're talking about a bunch of nothing. Like there are Christians who can I, I mean like gray, define gray area. It's rhetorical, don't. But I mean I'll do it. So like if you find a Christian that says, um, you know, I can gosh, I don't know what's a good example of a gray area for a Christian that would still be a Christian. Like um I don't know about the Trinity. I still have some questions. Maybe that doesn't work. Um, I'm not committed to opposing it. I just don't know a lot about it. That would be a gray area. I think you could be saved without being a Christian. I'd say, okay, that's a gray area, and they're probably still a Christian. If someone's like, um, no, you can totally serve Satan and get into heaven and be a Christian, I'd say, oh, no, that's not a gray area. That is very, very bad. You're not a Christian. So like that, it's what's the subject you're talking about? And if someone says, you can be, you can be gay, um, you can be a practicing homosexual, and uh, you know, habitually sin and get into heaven. Um, I would say that's that's uh, where the Bible says, "Work out your salvation with fear and trembling." Ultimately, God's the only one that knows, right? So the idea of being a Christian is you repent, you stop sinning. So uh, since God only knows the heart, maybe a better way to say that is: do, Is homosexuality a sin? So I would say it's absolutely a sin. It's black and white. It's in the Bible, multiple places. There's no way around it. If someone else says, "No, homosexuality is definitely not a sin." Well, I'd say, well, the Bible just disagrees with you. Well, that's just not true because there's plenty of the theologians who would say that. And that's your opinion. No, that's their opinion. Yeah. Right? And sure. what you, all you have is your opinion. You're conflating your opinion with the truth. 
all you have is your all you have is your interpretation of the Bible. You know, Brenda, I'm a I'm a bigger advocate for you on this subject than most people. So so the fact that that you're bringing this argument to me um, is more misplaced. Like there are many better people you should bring this argue to who they absolutely assert their opinion as truth, point blank. That's it. It's my way or the highway. While I assert that, you know, I believe my opinion is also the truth. I believe that. I can't third party verify it to you. I can't prove it to you, but that's what I believe. So I believe my opinion is aligned with the truth. Um, so I'm a better advocate for you than you may think, where other people will be like, yes, this is absolutely the truth. And, and you're like, prove it. They're like, I can't. So, I mean, yeah. I'm mean, just like everyone thinks their opinion is true, right? Unless their opinion is, I don't know. Um, but Brenda, you think whatever opinion you is, you have is true. Otherwise, we would all change our opinions. Like we want to be right. We don't want to consciously be wrong. So we want our right. opinions to reflect what is accurate. So that's what you're well, doing. That's what I'm doing. I have sort of like a sliding scale of that. There's some things that I feel really confident about. And there's other things. Most of the things are somewhere in the middle. Um, I, I try to believe, have my beliefs um, mostly be true. I'm sure a lot of my beliefs might not be true, but um, I do my best to to make them to be have as because there's a difference between confidence and being true. Because there's a lot of things I'm confident about, and I think I'm pretty much true. I'm I'm pretty sure that two and two always equals four. Pretty sure about that. You would really have to. I can't even imagine an argument that would that would refute that. But as far as three equals one. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Nate. Harold, you missed you missed Chris. I reminded him to explain Romans forty, but or I mean uh, Psalms forty, but now you're gone. Darn. I didn't want to leave you hanging. (laughs) No, but I I go back to the thing is is see I I was Christian at one time and when I was I went to a gay church and they taught about how they they harmonized being homosexual with being a Christian and in fact we met um, at one point in a a person's home and then um, a sister's a a covenant um, a convent uh, of sisterhood um, had a chapel, and they allowed us to use that chapel for services, right? So they were very nice in that way. Um, it was beautiful. But do you think? They, oh, go ahead. They taught. They taught that um, the homosexuality is not um, condemned in the Bible. They had. They had their. They have their Bible quotes too, just like you have your Bible quotes. And I've just realized that. Well. It's just a matter, it's just somebody's interpretation, and I don't think that there's any resolution to it. People people read the book one way, and other people read it a different way, and there's no way to resolve those conflicts. Well, so I would say that is true, and I am going to have to run here in just a couple minutes. But I would say I agree with a lot of things that that is true, and it requires interpretation and some thought and things like that. But there are, are certain things, and I would say about the, the topics of sexuality, that are very uh, unambiguous and it would take, like, I agree with you that people have their ways of doing it. I mean, you know, they, they came out with the queen James Bible and anything that talked about homosexuality, they just omitted. 
So I, I understand that people have done different I've things. I've never heard about to... never heard about that. I mean, oh, they just oh, intru- what is they just well, hang, well, hang, hang on. I uh, couldn't remember well, well, that the other day. Well, yeah, it's, it's called the Queen James Bible. Just just Google yeah, that. I, but I know that, I know that but... people. Will, well, I'm, I'm telling you now. You have so if you want to check it out, you can you can Google that Queen James Bible. But anyway, um, the point I was trying to make is people will have their different ways to justify it. But this is one that I would I find very difficult to get around because it talks about it so. Um, so thoroughly in so many different areas. But my que- I have two more questions um, for you. So when you went to when you went to this gay church, do you think? Just go with me, right? I'm going to assert my opinion as fact for a minute, but it's for this question. Do you think if, uh, for example, you know the homo- homosexuality is truly a sin, and you know you went to a church that's very very probably one you wouldn't have gone to because you'd think they're too fundamental or too radical or crazy or hard nosed about stuff. But if you would have went to one of those churches and assuming that would be a true church or they have the right interpretation of the Bible, do you think you would perhaps still be a Christian now? And the fact that you're not a Christian now could be because you went to a church that has watered down the gospel and the message of Christ. So it's really like there's, there's no power. There's no umph. Like you've got it wrong. So now you're just like, why do I need the church? Because it was the wrong church anyway. Could well, that be a possibility? I be, I'm an atheist for many reasons. Part partly that, but realizing that they no, it's not that they are right. Um, the uh, fundamentalist churches are just hateful people. They're just hateful people who get together and worship a, a Bible that lets them um, confirm their own hatred for 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 the for the outside world. That's all. I, I I just I all I see from them is just this wall of hate, and that's all I see still. Condemnation, like they're condemning them. No, they're just hateful people. They hate people. Do they hate think, everything. Um, well, okay. So oh, hang on. I so I answer myself, and well, we should we should define terms. But I mean, I mean, we don't have time to. But ideally, we would define terms. But I would consider myself, um, depending on how you define a term, very fundamentalist. Yet, if you're being objective. I don't think you could say I, I hate you. I think you could say Nate disagrees. So if we say disagree is hate, well, I mean, that's a way to spin that. But I would say I think many people, like, you know, disagreement is not hate. Um, would you agree to that? Well, um, when I'm talking about that, that's at the larger level, uh, people like Jerry Falwell, those movements of, of the of evangelicals did nothing but they were destructive um, and hateful movements in which in which they um, sought to cause harm to people that are different them from them because they were different. Oh, the moral and that's, that's all I've seen. All I've seen. Yeah, the moral yeah, majority. I, I I remember the rise of the moral majority. I was in high school in 1975, so I've seen these things come and go. And these were just spiteful, mean people, and they read the Bible in a way that lets them continue to be spiteful, mean people. So I'm not familiar with any, I mean, I know the name, but I'm not familiar with anything. When you said car cause harm, I, I mean, again, like I, I don't have time for this, but I would want to, you know, being a critical thinker, I would want to know what, what that means exactly. Is that like words or violence? Mm. Like if they say, yeah, you know, yeah. homosexuals yeah. will have their share in the lake of fire because that's what the Bible says uh, and we don't uh, want them to go to hell, for example. And then someone says that's hate-filled, that's bigotry, words or violence. I'd say, well, that's the stand I take too. I don't want people to end up in this bad place. 
So yes, just huh. like anyone else, I was doing no. something unbiblical. No, or I'm are they talking out there about like beating people with bats, beating people up, killing them. In so my Jerry town, Falwell murdered people. Is that what you're saying? Uh, it's, it, he motivated people to. So people have murdered in the name of Jerry yes. Falwell in the name of Jesus. Yes, in, in the Do name. You have in, yes. Any source for that? Because I would, of course, condemn that. I would also I wit- question whether or not the truthfulness. Hey, you know what I the Bible says it, about and I was subject to it. in the name of the Lord, Brenda. Uh, what, uh, I didn't hear you because you were interrupting me, like the rude little fucker you are. Oh, see, so, that's why Brenda well, is not worth like that. I would. That was only a matter of time, right? It's well, never I mean, the interaction with Brenda. Well, I mean. I was, I was actually trying to, to be in I, to, favor, but I mean, hey. I think you were saying something. I think you were saying something polite. But I mean, I, I let I let it go on because, well, why not? I'm sure someone cares. But I mean, that's revealing, right? Like we, we were having a pretty reasonable conversation. I mean, tensions were building. But, you know, I mean, if words are violence, that's pretty pretty good violence you did to Harold just now. Um, so is that the kind of stuff you're saying Jerry Falwell and the Christian people have done? to cause violence upon, you know, you and your community and stuff like that. Um, because in this conversation, you've done more of that than anyone else. Um, so that's what I was trying to get to. So, you know, if people have murdered and beat people up because Jerry Falwell told them to, I would want some news articles. I would want some sources. Um, but yeah, that was, that was pretty bad form. So, I mean, I guess anyone wondering, um, you know, it's kind of like uh, who says that Hitler first in an argument loses. It's like whoever's talking about love and tolerance and completely freaks out first, loses. So I guess it that's is, the moral of the story today. It is interesting. I mean, there, there are times when, you know, if, and this is something I have a little bit of experience with, when you have people that have been uh, victimized and traumatized, it can be difficult. And I'm not, I'm not trying to cast dispersions on Brenda at all, but it can be difficult sometimes to be uh, objective when you're talking about something. Like, it's, it's hard sometimes to apply logic to things that are, I think at its fundamental roots, so emotionally charged as these things are, um, you know, and, you know, but there, there are, you know, there is unfortunately a good number of people who, you know, kind of identify with Jerry Falwell's viewpoints. I'm, I'm not aware of him being responsible for the, for the deaths of people. Um, He's not, I'm sure of it, that. I, 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 I can't say yes or no, um, you know, but there, there are, unfortunately, and this is a, this is a slight against, I would say this is a slight against people like you, Nate. And I mean, and I've only seen one dimension of your life, right? I only have exposure to you on clubhouse and a little bit on YouTube. Right. So, I mean, you could be a drastically different person in your private life. I doubt you are, but it, it could be the case. Um, but you know, people like that, people who speak, like with basically venom in their in their tone, in their words, like people like that, people like, uh, you know, the West, Westboro Baptist types, who are who I don't think you would disagree are hateful people. Um, there is unfortunately a not insignificant number of them, and I think that they do people like you and Steph an injustice. Um, but it can be difficult sometimes when you, again, when you've been the victim of, of trauma or violence to, to look through an objective lens given that said violence and or trauma. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not condoning what 
what Brenda did. I, I do my best sometimes. Like I said, I've almost let the F-bomb slip a couple times here. I never have, though. <laughs> um, but I also have the... I also have the luxury and privilege of not having to had to live life the way, the way she has. So just turn off. Yeah. A different <clears throat> oh, I know. And you know, no one's perfect, right? Like yeah, West Baptist church, which by the way, if like that, that's like the, the worst example. I mean, except the middle ages, maybe that's like the worst example Christendom has to offer. While if you look just comparatively across the board, um, I don't think West Baptist church has ever been charged with like, um, like a violent crime, right? Like, I don't think, I, I don't think I could be wrong, you know, but I mean, everything you ever hear about them is they yell, they scream, they pick it, they say terrible, awful slurs and hateful speech. Oh, they've been charged. They've, they've been charged, but they're all lawyers. Okay. So they've been charged with like physically assaulting people or is that like the, the like, like, yeah, I'm pretty assault? sure physical thought. Don't, don't take my word on that, but, but on other, uh, Crime oh yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm sure they've been tr- charged for like trespassing and stuff like that. The point is, if you look comparatively at the worst Christianity in modern history has to offer, that's about it compared to like other people that are like legit murdering people. And right. that's not to say like a Christian person has never murdered someone. Of course, you know we can all find our one-off examples. But whenever you think, what's the worst Islam has? Well, no one's gonna say because uh, no one wants to die. Um, what's the worst atheism has? Well, you know, we're going to bring up some historical figures. What's the worst <laughs> Christianity has? Westboro Baptist Church. Oh, well, well we're, how many millions of people do they kill? Um, how many bombs do they blow up? None? Not, uh, a couple? Ah, a hundred? Anyway, so it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make it okay. But uh, hey, hang on, I wanted to see. I, I think a long time ago, Sherman, how do you say that? Was saying something. Are you still speaking? Germanics. Sherman? Germanics? It is somewhat, just one quickly thing, it is, it is somewhat conspicuous by its absence how you kind of glazed over the Crusades. No, no, I did say the Middle Ages. I, I did say, Oh, okay, all right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, we're not exempt, but I, I was talking about like in, in recent times, right? You know, how everyone's like so evolved and enlightened. So I, I did I did mention the Middle Ages. Uh, Shermanics, did you have anything to say? Uh, yeah, I just like... Uh, I think in Romans it does talk about how God can give um, a person over to a reprobate mind or the person who changed the truth of God into a lie. I think in Romans 1, 25, and it says, And worship and serve the creature more than the creator, who was blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up into vile affections, for even their woman did change the natural use into that which is against nature, also likewise men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their own lust toward one another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that um, recompense of their error, which was neat. So I believe that, you know, um, they would be an error in their faith if they were a believer in Christ, that uh, if they were homosexuality or that could be the same with someone having sex before marriage. They, um, I guess they would just have to surrender and flee uh, sexual immorality if they're in that case that way, um, you know, just to be right with God in that sense. But um, if, a, he, if a believer is sinning, you know, against his own body, of course, that would, you know, say that you know jesus washed that sin and he um 
covered it and he's sanctified and is justified. But of course, if it's an unbeliever, then it's not, you know, washed. So I think it all just depends if that person um, has Jesus to wash their sins over. I'm not saying it's okay to do it, but um, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and it's like, I think a lot of people get, well, I don't know. I mean, there's got to be a reason, a reason it's pride, right? Like layers deep besides just, you know, you're celebrating who you are and whatever. Like, I think there's like a multi-tier pride layer to this that even even the people of the community don't see, but like spiritually. Um, so like, I, I, I think I didn't get to talk to Brenda with, um, about the very first thing she said when she came on stage, uh, which was, what's wrong with pride? I, I believe she meant like the community and the parades and, you know, the LGBTQIA plus organization in the community. But that right there, before we even talk about sex stuff, what's wrong with pride? That's yeah, it. Right. And, the, exactly. and it's like a that's, lot of times. That's a like a lot of times. Yeah, and it's like a lot of times people now it's so synonymous with pride and sexuality um, or identity. It's like as soon as you say pride is a sin, they, they automatically want to attack because of sexuality. It's like, no, we're not even talking about that. We will. But before we even talk about that, if, if no, no one had any sexuality whatsoever, there was no LGBTQIA plus peace be upon them. There was none of that. There was no sex. We were asexual. Pride is still a sin. So that that's step and one, that's, right? And now, and that's one of them that God hates, right? So I mean, there's yeah, like there, there's all these sins, and then it's like okay, now let's talk about sexuality. So it's like a layer deep. So now we go another layer, and it's like now it's not like just one way of sexuality is wrong. It's like there's only one way of sexuality that's right. The way the Bible says it, you know, man, woman in a marriage in the eyes of God. That's it. So it's not just like. Oh, gay people are wrong, or you know, this, pe- this these people are wrong, or people. It's like every other way is wrong. Like you touched on, people out of marriage are wrong. Like straight people who just have lots of sex are wrong. Straight people that have lots of wives are wrong. Like you know, I- any way you mix and match that, it's like everyone is wrong, except one way that God says is not wrong. So it's like you have pride. You have pride that's a sin. Then you have sexual morality that's a sin. And then there is one, a, a third layer that I forgot by now, but it, it's multifaceted. So it's not just like a gay thing. It's like compounded by the fact that now you're flaunting it. It's like, uh, you know, it's, lying is a, is a sin. If I then went on tour bragging and having pride about how awesome of a liar I am, well, now it's not just that lying is a sin. Now pride of lying is also a sin. So it's like multifaceted. Michael, were you saying something? Can I throw something in real oh, quick? Xbox, and, then, yes. and, and then Harold, I think, has been trying to talk. Oh, okay, um, yeah. I just wanted to talk about, like, when you're dealing with someone like, like Brenda, that's been kind of scorned in the past. Um, you've you've kind of got to deal, and this didn't just apply to her. This applies to mental illness, people with sickness, things, any anything that they've been kind of scorned by or or um, shunned by, is that you you've kind of got to look at them. And I use a Dr. Phil quote here, as like that they're sunburnt, their skin is sunburnt. And you know what it's like to have your have a sunburn and have your your skin touched. It's extremely sensitive. And and to someone who who doesn't right, they they have a thick skin. They they can take some of the the easier little jabs at them, and and keep going and not worry about them. But as soon as you bring up even like the slightest little thing um, with someone that's sunburned like that. emotionally or or mentally or like it it's going to cause an adverse reaction right away 
Oh yeah, I, I totally understand. And I, on one hand, I, I mean, for the record, you know, I was way more tiptoey around Brenda than I was Harold. <laughs> so I mean, no, you know, you it's yeah. not to say yeah. not to say Nate is completely devoid of compassion and understanding. So I mean, you know, I think I did a fair job. On the other hand, you know, being fair to for, to Nate and you know the open discussion, this open forum, if someone is so emotionally charged about a topic and they can't divorce their emotion from the subject to have a civil conversation without you know cursing people out just abstain from that conversation. Like, listen, if it gets to the point where you're going to smash your phone, just leave the room, like, you know, listen on replay in spades. Like, you know, there's got to be a point where it takes two to tango, right? So if I was like yelling and screaming from the beginning, and so was Brenda, well, both of us shouldn't be a part of that conversation. Um, but yeah, I appreciate what you said, Xbox. Um, Harold, do you want to you wanna say uh, one more thing? And then I, I do have to go. I'm so late. Well, if you have to go, you can always make me a mod again. But, uh, um, what I was going to say was, well, what I was interjecting uh, to say to Brenda, uh, it's an unfortunate thing that all those people did what they did, you know, in the past and what have you, so-called in the name of God or whatever. And I mean, the Bible speaks emphatically about people that take the name of the Lord in vain. Uh, and it says that people like them are to not be feared and actually are to be put to death. So those people are very worthy of death, you know. Uh, Deuteronomy speaks explicitly about how do we know if someone's truly a prophet. It says that if it, if they come teaching anything apart from the true God of the scripture, and if that prophet speak presumptuously and whatever they say comes not to pass, or if it is not, um, yeah, then they should be, they should not be feared and, and be worthy of death. So that's all I was going to say, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and I guess that, the last thing that was told in uh, Romans one thirty two. it says who knowing the judgment of God, that they would commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have. Oh, uh, sure. Monique. Um, I, I think I accidentally muted you. I was trying to click on my screen. I think I hit mute. You just, oh. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Continue. Sorry. No worries. Yeah, I think with Harold, yeah, I agree with that scripture where it says that who do such things are worthy of death, um, but have pleasure in them that do them. But I think, you know, it would be in God's hands, you know, to take them out of, I don't think it would be in the hands of men to to uh, put them to death. I think that would be something that we would have to give that person over to Satan for the destruction of flesh, but the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Yeah, for the record, the official position of the Ask a Christian Room is do not murder people. Um, do not put anyone to death. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and, and I don't, I, you know, like Falwell, and that was the example, like, as far as I know, he's not claiming to be a prophet or anything like that. He's just a pastor. So I'd say, yeah, pro quote, prophets who uh, prof their stuff doesn't come true. Yeah, they should not be feared. Um, I also don't think anyone, uh, Brendan was mentioning, it was a self-proclaimed prophet or otherwise. They're just like pastors or Christians or people. Um, but yeah, and then vengeance is mine, says the Lord, right? So even if someone is maybe worthy of death, um, like, you know, people, lots of people in prison for murders and stuff like that may be worthy of death. That doesn't mean exact death upon them yourself. Um, so I would just say those two things and don't kill people. Well, um, hey, so... David was, David and Saul were the ones killing, doing all the killing. Nope, David had a chance to kill Saul, yet he didn't, right? Because he's like, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. No, his, no, no, uh, so no. David, I'm, uh, I'm saying they were the ones doing the killing to the nations that were persecuting Israel, is what I'm saying. Not each other. 
Right. I mean, Harold, if you find yourself in a battle, in a war, in the military, I mean, you know, do what do what you got to do to survive. Um, but if you find a Christian who's beating up uh, beating up somebody else in the name of God, um, you know, call the police, do what's necessary to you know restrain them as much as you feel capable of doing, um, and do not kill them. <laughs> uh, you know, unless you're like defending yourself from fear of death or something like that. You get where I'm going. <laughs> Like, like none of this is applicable for these examples, right? If there's like gay people uh, or Christians who say gay people are, are terrible and they're like going out and like beating them up in street posses, um, don't kill those people. Um, you know, call the police. <laughs> try, try to chalk them out of it. Don't get yourself in trouble too. That, that's what I'm saying. Like no one should be exacting Levitical law in 2023 with a bunch of Gentiles. That's the point. <laughs> anyway, take care, everyone. Harold, uh, we're going to get you the Psalms 40 thing. I mean, the best I can do is read it and tell you. I really wanted you to be here when Chris and Brian were because I just know that they've studied this and they could be like, I can tell you exactly what that means. This is no, I want uh, from this passage. It. And all right, well, I'm going to let you down, but all right, I'll I'll <laughs> I'll read it and let you know what I think. You also had another part. It was to contrast it with Hebrews 10. Was that right? Yeah, the traditional view of Hebrews. <laughs> All right. I will try to make time today. I was at the vet all day yesterday. All right, everyone. Take care. Have an awesome. Oh, it's the weekend. Woo-hoo! It's the weekend. See you guys Monday. Peace. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Right, take care, guys.